Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. It is busy in Winnipeg these days. The Jets back on the ice today, getting ready for the Hall of Fame game tomorrow. Tamu Solani and Teppo Newman in town, and the Bombers have left the peg to the Queen City, getting ready to defend their Grey Cup championship on Sunday afternoon. And we are all over. Jets, Bombers, and more today on the program. In a few minutes, we'll head out to Regina to hook up with the play-by-play voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Derek Taylor. He was at the coaches' media conference today with Michael Shea and Ryan Dinwiddie. We'll talk a little bit about that and get DT's thoughts on the upcoming challenge for the three-peat. Scott Billick's going to jump on. He was at Jets practice today. We'll have the latest on the squad. Some big news, which we'll get to right out of the gate in just a moment. And then a little later on, with tomorrow being Timu Solani and Teppo Numanen going into the Winnipeg Jets Hall of Fame, a great opportunity for us to bring in a good friend of the program and the former Winnipeg Jet himself, teammate of both Teppo and Timu, NHL Senior VP of Hockey Operations, Chris King, for memories of the two great Finns that will be honored tomorrow night here in Winnipeg at Canada Life Center. Uh, we'll also hear a little bit from Mike O'Shea from this morning, a question that I think every Bomber fan wanted to hear an answer to regarding his future here in Winnipeg. So we'll get to all of that in just a few minutes on the show, as well as a Winnipeg Jet update. Just as we get going, and before I bring Michael Remus in, a big thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Of course, Princess Auto, Not Auto Corp, Cool Bet Canada, Royal Sports, F Apparel, Consolidated Supply, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Culligan Water, Canadian Club, Boston Pizza, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, and Little Brown Jug. And of course, folks, if you missed the last couple shows, we've got a very short survey for our friends at Little Brown Jug just on how many of you have uh, discovered the great taste of 1919 and the other Little Brown Jug products. And uh, if you did it from us, hopefully you did, I'm going to throw this in the YouTube chat right now. If you haven't already, fill that sucker out. It'll take you about 20 seconds. The link is right there, and you'll be entered to win a great Grey Cup party pack, including $125 of with Little Brown Jug beer and a $100 gift cert for Smitty so you can load up on some wings for the, the gang. And, of course, you can also go to, if you're listening on the podcast, go to winnipegsports.com slash links. And uh, you'll see the link for that quick survey and entry into the Little Brown Jug Grey Cup Party Package. All right, let's get Remus in here and get this show on the road. Remo, what's up? I'm feeling good, Huss. Again, fired up. There was a lot of hockey games last night, so I was definitely busy. I watched that uh, Tampa-Dallas game. Went to overtime. That could be a cup final a cup final preview story uh, every other team in the league. But, uh, yeah, another... I guess day off for the Jets. We had some practice news, the Great Cup week in full swing. It's exciting uh, having Chris King on as well. So lots to get to, lots to talk about. And I don't know, I'm feeling feeling pretty good. Not too uh, too cold out, so um, still okay. Well, it's nice outside. A little bit of snow right now. I mean, it's feeling like, you know, it's Great Cup week, to be perfectly honest with you. And I think many of us hoping that this chill and uh, rather wintry type weather 
will be exactly what the Toronto Argonauts and Blue Bombers are in store for on Sunday afternoon as the Bombers look to make it a three-peat. Uh, the colder, the better, I think, from uh, the standpoint of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They've won in these conditions before. Be interesting to see how the Argos handle it. Uh, as I say, we're going to talk to Derek Taylor in Regina in a few minutes. And before we do that, a little bit of Mike O'Shea from this morning's media conference. Uh, but Remo, Scott Billick's coming on later on. We'll break down everything that happened from uh, from practice today. Maybe if we have time, try and squeeze in a little bit of the coach, Rick Bonus. Uh, but some news coming out. First, the good news Nikolai Ehlers returned to practice, skates on his own for the first time since what has been, what, it was supposed to be seven to ten days after the second game of the season, and we're now pretty much at a month as of tomorrow. Ehlers can't get back to this lineup this as soon enough, to be honest, I think from uh, most people's perspectives. Um, but where the team is right now in the standings, they may be giving themselves a little bit of wiggle room um, to give him a little bit more time to make sure that I think the biggest concern is that whatever this has been ailing Nikolai Ehlers is fully and completely healed, and there's no risk of re-injury and um, having Nikolai Ehlers spend more time on the sidelines. But, Reem, the big news today was Mason Appleton's status, and he has is having, I believe it's wrist surgery, going on the IR and could be out six to eight weeks, um, which was a blow for a guy that had been... Uh, you know, playing a very important role in the absence of Nikolai Ehlers riding shotgun along with Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor on the Jets' top line. Yeah, and we already saw it in chat here, Huss. Uh, we've talked about the WST bump, but it's the WST anti-bump. Don't tell anyone. Jackson Jeffcoat came on, and uh, he had to miss a couple games with an injury now at Appleton. But it wasn't the first game after he was on Hustler, as you said to me. He wasn't injured in the Calgary game. There was a buffer. So I think we're saved. It wasn't. I can't, I don't think there's a correlation yeah. there between him coming no. on the show and getting hurt. But a weird play in Sunday's game, he was going up the side of the board. And I think his stick got caught in the camera hole or something. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but he did, yes, wrist surgery, 8 to 12 weeks. That's a big one. He plays on the penalty kill. He was playing on the top line. He had his best game of the season. Um, but it was last uh, Thursday there. So it was, that's a tough injury, and I, I wonder what they're going to do. To fill the spot, Huss, um, you know, internally, they just called up Mikey Asamont for the Jansen Harkins, who got the puck in the face. Then he missed Sunday's game after putting the cage on in the middle of Saturday's game. Uh, Sam Gagne practiced on that top line, and we talked about how versatile he was coming into the year. But I wonder if there's a move to be made here. You see teams with injuries on defense. And the Jets even more. We already talked about their forward depth coming into the year. Oh, wait a sec. Are we revisiting the fact that the Jets have a surplus of defense and yeah. might be in the market for a forward somewhere yeah. in the NHL? And so now <laughs> I think the screws are being tightened. Uh, you know, Morgan Barron, he's he's hurt. Ehlers hurt. And now Appleton's hurt. That's three guys in your opening day lineup who are who are out. Uh, what are they going to do here? And this will be something to watch. You already got Instagram comments. People saying calling up, call up uh, Lambo. Or Chaz Lucius from the Moose. I'm not sure they're looking to do that, but this is something to watch. Uh, watch here, us. Yeah, well, Lambo's just back in the lineup. He was sick for a while. I'm not sure whether it was officially ruled as COVID or what, but he missed a number of games. It's just getting back into the uh, Manitoba Moose uh, lineup right now. Um, and you know, listen, I know these are young players that we're very excited to see play at some point, but uh, I I'm not sure that either of those players, just from what I've seen so far in the American Hockey League. Are ready to step up with the big boys in the National Hockey League, but 
hey, sometimes injuries provide opportunities and um, it's up to the players to take advantage of them. The guy that is going to have that first opportunity, though, was Mikey Isimon, who was skating with Adam Lowry and Janssen Fjallby on the, the Jets, well, on the Lowry line, whatever number you want to call it. Gus had Toninato and Menelainen with him today, and Harkins was skating in as the 13th forward. And, you know, Remo, you just mentioned Morgan Barron. I mean, really, the third line of the Winnipeg Jets was Adam Lowry, who's had a great start to the season, along with a combination of Gagne, of Morgan Barron, and of Mason Appleton. And um, now with both Barron and Appleton out for a considerable period of time, um, other guys are going to need to step up. Uh, I'd said last week, I loved the look of the Lowry line with Menelainen and Janssen Fialbi. I think both of those guys have really acquitted themselves quite well right now. Gagne on the top line makes sense to a point. I'm just not sure. I, I think with Sam, I think we've seen this so far. At some point, you get the law of diminishing returns kicking in. I mean, I'm not sure whether he's able to play the minutes and the pace that Shifley and Kyle Connor will be playing usually upwards of around 20 minutes a night. Um, so I think we may see some other guys get opportunities and spot duty along there. Uh, but it does make sense for Gagne to be the first guy that, that moves up and keeping Perfetti, Dubois, and Blake Wheeler together. Um, you know, Hellebuck and DeMello, again, we're back on the ice right now. Uh, but the big questions, and, you know, as I said, we'll hear from a little bit more from Rick Bonus, and we'll have Billick come on, who was down at practice earlier today, talk about the latest on the Winnipeg Jets as they uh, finish up another three-day break after a very busy weekend and then get ready to a little bit more of a regular schedule with game day off, game day off over the course of this next homestand beginning tomorrow night against the quack attack from Anaheim. Yeah, what's this uh, schedule here? Um what they had played, had a break, go play back-to-back, you know, have another break. They did have the Jets Gala last night. Saw some nice pictures of the guys looking sharp on Instagram. Timu and Teppo Numenen uh, are in uh, in the city, and I did enjoy the pictures they threw up. I don't know if it was a preview of the banner, but nice to see the 90s-era Jets logo being used uh, on their banners as they'll be wearing the reverse retro jerseys tomorrow night against the Ducks, and I did watch the nice. Ducks... Last night, Huss, they beat, they won an overtime against Detroit. And uh, I don't know if you knew this about the Ducks. They do not have a win in regulation this season, Hustler. So only team in the league. Yeah. Uh, nine points on the season. Yes, they have only won in extra time so far. Certainly, we hope that streak isn't broken tomorrow. Uh, but tomorrow's game is going to be so much more than just a regular season midweek game against the Anaheim Ducks because, of course, Tamu Solani and Tepo Numinen are here. And the gala was last night, as we mentioned, and a lot of people took that in. seemed like a great, great event. And obviously, when you've got two special guests like that there, uh, makes it for an even more special gala. There's the picture, if you're watching with us on YouTube, of Tepo and Timu looking great with their Jets Hall of Fame jackets. And... Uh, it's a really, really great event last night, and um, hopefully tomorrow we'll continue the good vibes both from the start of the season and the week with those two great Finnish superstars back here in Winnipeg. So most of our Jets talk will be a little bit later on. Scott Billick and Chris King, and again, our Chris King conversation will really focus in on the legacy of Tamu Solani and Teppo Newman here in Winnipeg and Chris King's memories of those two guys as players and as teammates so looking forward to that. 
Um, right off the bat, though, Ramon, I know we haven't talked a lot of baseball. Obviously, the World Series is over, but uh, Jay's made a pretty big trade today that I see a lot of people chatting about in the uh, in the YouTube chat. Yeah, Jay's trading Teoscar Hernandez to Seattle for relief pitcher Eric Swanson. And for the Jays, uh, Teoscar is what? He's entering the final year of his deal. He's a right-handed bat, and they have a lot of right-handed bats. And maybe this is foreshadowing a move of putting George Springer in right field and acquiring a, a left-handed outfielder. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with the Jays. They do get some help uh, relief pitching. Eric Swanson was pretty good the last year for Seattle. Uh, so there was another prospect involved. Um, and Seattle, they needed a help uh, in the outfield. They needed more bats, so uh, they got Teoscar Hernandez. And Swanson last year, 168 ERA in 53 innings, where he did have a nice 70 strikeouts and only 10 walks. So uh, 28-year-old, uh, turning 29, arm in the bullpen, uh, the Jays getting it. We'll have to wait and see what happens with the uh, how they reshape this bullpen. We talked all last year, Huss, for the Jays. The, they needed they needed some reliable arms back there. It seemed like it was only Jordan Romano. And if they bring in another lefty bat, because they've been pretty heavy right-handed for a couple of years. But yeah, big Jays trade. And I know Teoscar was a fan favorite of many. Yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, I think they're just dealing from a position of strength. Maybe helps out their cap, well, not cap situation, but salary situation a little bit. And maybe gives them a little bit more of that Rogers uh, cake to spend on some arms. Uh, you know, Justin Verlander's hitting the market. The Jays were very much in the mix for Verlander services. The last time he was up for free agency, coming off what we expect to be a Cy Young season, another World Series championship, he'd be a guy and. I know there's a lot of Jays fans that had their hearts set on trading half the team for Shohei Otani. I don't think that's happening. He's going to be going back to the LA Angels, so they're going to have to go elsewhere. I think it's safe to say that the Kikuchi experiment, the three-year deal at 12 mil a year, is a sunk a sunk cost right now for Toronto, and they'll uh, look to improve both the starting pitching and the relievers over the course of this offseason, and that was the first move today by the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, hey, back to the Hall of Fame game for a minute, Reem. When you just mentioned the reverse retros, I like these more every time that I've seen them. But I'm seeing a couple comments in chats about that logo. And here's an interesting why not question of the day. I'm going to do a little bit of a pivot because this is something that we'll be talking about for the next couple of days. For Jet fans, which old logo did you like better? The 80s logo, which is now part of the heritage uniforms that the Winnipeg Jets wear, which for my money are right there with the best uniforms in the National Hockey League. Or, as you see right now, the 90s Winnipeg Jets logo that is now featured on the uh, the reverse retros. I have to admit, Reem, I, during the late 80s as a kid and into the 90s, I was so excited when they changed the logo. Uh, I'm not sure why I, I didn't like them, but I think back to the early 80s, I mean, basically our jersey was a knockoff of the New York Rangers with the style of the actual jersey with that circular logo on. I was super excited. I got the, the new jersey immediately when they came out. Um, I think it was Phil Housley was I got, which also, of course, was the first jersey Housley made after the Howard Chuck trade. But now that we get to this point, and listen, I don't get me wrong. I love these retro reverse jerseys. I think they look amazing. I know there's some people that were griping about red. They're supposed to be a little different. I think they're an absolute home run. 
But I think now, looking back, being a more mature individual, don't hold your laughter, please. Um, I think the original logo is actually my favorite, even more than this one, despite how hot I think these uh, retro reverse unis are. Yeah, the reverse retro, maybe when they came out, I don't know if I was like in love with them, but when you see them in the full uniform with the numbers and you know the socks and the pants, I think it's it's awesome. I love the uh, the stri- the classic striping on you know the bottom and the arms and the color scheme here. As far as the logo, I'm a '90s guy, so I loved this '90s logo growing up. I would always like the only thing I could draw. Past, like I can't draw anything, but you know I could draw this Winnipeg Jets logo. It was pretty pretty simple. Um, but I do think the heritage uniforms overall are, are one of the best in the league. So I think I might have to go heritage eighties logo, but this, I really like the nineties one. I think I am a big fan of it too. So nice that you have a bunch of different logos choose from. They're all kind of similar with some minor differences. Wait, do you like this reverse retro better than yes. the, the 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 one that came out last year? Yeah, that the, one really grew on me. Um, you know, I'm not one to have like crazy hot takes. I know the minute something comes out, everyone shits all mm-hmm. over it, and then it takes a little bit of time. That certainly happened with the Aviator jersey, and I like the color of those. And I mean, I do like that blue. I still don't really get why so many people keep going back to they need red in the jersey. I I, I don't know. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, okay. Um, I'll say this about the reverse. I want to get to some jersey talk here. The reverse retro, a lot of the jerseys, they've got baby blue, they've got yellow, they've got all these bright colors. And the Jets came out with this one that was gray. It was kind of just like bland. Um, I know, but it looked, I looked good as a full uniform. But I think in oh. comparison to some of the others, I wasn't, I wasn't crazy about it. Um, there was nothing about it that popped. To me now, look, I'm a guy who loves gray. Like all my clothes are are gray. But as far as standing out, and I'll bring up that, I'll show that jersey on the screen. I did. I thought this is a big one. It's funny. The aviator jersey, I thought was not a fan when it came out, but it's grown on me. It's I love it. Uh, the aviator. I love the blue. I love the classic striping. The only thing maybe is that Jets logo, and they've really gone away from it. Um, the word mark Jets logo the last couple of years. But uh, you can get them from cheap on sale, so I like them. Yeah, well, you know what? It's funny. I mean, you still do see those, and uh, there were some really cool. By the way, I'll give a shout-out to the guys at Royal. I'll do this later on, but I went Royal yesterday. You can all check this out. I'm ready for the World Cup, folks. I've got my Canada hoodie, picked up a Davies jersey and some other stuff. The World Cup selection of merch for Canada is massive right now. If you want to get ready for it, make sure to pop by and see our guys over at Royal Sports for what they've got going on. They do have a bunch of the other countries as well, but far less than normal this year because the majority is Canada stuff. So it was really neat. But my God, the Jets selection is so big there. And there's a couple really good toques with that Jets wordmark from the uh, from the Aviator uh, but I think we're definitely going away. Some of the the best stuff right now is the classic stuff with the heritage logo, and I wouldn't at all be surprised if coming out of the success of the launch of this second reverse retro uni, um, that we start getting a little bit more with that '90s uniform as well. We're certainly getting a chance to see a lot of it beginning tomorrow night at home um, with the uh, with the Hall of Fame game and the Jets wearing that '90s jersey which is very appropriate considering Timo and Teppo spent so many years wearing those and representing the city of Winnipeg at Jets 1.0.
Yeah, a lot of comments in the chat, House people. A lot of people want to weigh in. I, I love Jersey, Jersey talk, Hustler. Everyone's got an opinion. There's no one, no one wrong. But I am enjoying seeing a lot of the reverse retros a lot around the league. Montreal wore their baby blues yesterday, which I'm a huge fan of. Some people say that that's not Montreal's color, but I think it honors the Expos and baby blue is pretty awesome. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing the that Jets That one's a again. hell of a lot better than some of those other retro Habs jerseys that they have had over the years. And I mean, obviously, Montreal's got a pretty incredible history uh, as far as NHL teams go. Um, but, I, you know, it's neat. It's a little different. It's got those. It's got that Expo powder blue, which I think is just a great color to wear on unis. So, um Anyways, check that one out online if you haven't seen it. Uh, you haven't seen it before. We'll talk more about this. We'll get Billick's take on this. But as I said, why not question of the day in the chat or in the comments? What do you prefer, folks, while we talk about the Hall of Fame game tomorrow? The 80s Jets uniform, the 80s Jets logo that we see on the Heritage jerseys or the 90s Jets logo that's featured on the new retro reverse unis. We'll talk more hockey later on because the Bombers are in Regina. They touched down last night in the Grey Cup, and the coaches spoke this morning. Derek Taylor's coming up in just a minute. But, Remo, maybe the most um, intrigue I can remember at any point for a team getting off a plane going into a championship game was waiting to see how Zach Caleros looked walking down those stairs last night in Regina. And I don't know about you, overall... I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, he seemed to be moving quite well. I do think that there were signs that Zach's still not entirely 100% right now with that ankle. And be very interested to hear later on today, after the Bombers finished practice late this afternoon out in Regina, as to how involved Zach Caleros was. If I had to bet, I bet he takes it quite easy for the next few days. Tomorrow's practice is closed, and then... They'll be getting ready on Friday and Saturday. So uh, I am expecting, personally, a late couple days for Zach Caleros. What did you think when you saw him jumping off the plane yesterday? Yeah, well, Zach's going to play. There's no question. But how healthy will he be? How mobile? And when he walked off the plane, we're all watching the video. Shout out to who Jeff Hamilton and Ted Wyman there recording. No one's ever been... Full TMZ action yeah. by the boys yesterday. All right, here's Zach Caleros uh, getting his luggage from... From the thing he's walking down the stairs we're all we're all watching i've seen i saw a number of different angles videos going on the plane off the plane um and i will say this i didn't enjoy the comments in chat saying hey if they got chris Trevler to play in the 2019 great cup with what a broken ankle um and he was running all over the field this uh from what i've heard and i've done some uh back background work this alcatraz miracle worker so. al's the man so Al could be uh, Al could be a very quiet MVP this, this so, week for the Winnipeg I'll, Blue Bombers. I'll, I'll agree with you. I don't think he was a hundred percent, but he looked a lot better than on Sunday when he couldn't go on the field. So he says he's gonna he's gonna be ready to go, and no question. But how, you know, what percent health will he be? And I know Nathan and Nathan Rourke. He clearly wasn't a hundred percent the last two weeks, but he was able to sling the ball around. So. Um, I don't, I don't think I'm too concerned, but maybe you're, it's going to be something you're going to watch when the game starts on Sunday. You're going to want to see his mobility and his throwing throwing ability. Well, my main concern, I mean, I think back, and I was talking to Nielsen about this earlier today when we were breaking down the, uh, the Grey Cup for the lock shop. We are going to wait for our official pick until Friday um, and just see how things go over the next couple of days. But 
like Zach's going to play, but if his mobility is compromised, I mean, it sort of does take away maybe the signature angle of Zach's game that has been so devastating and his ability to create time, get space out, and, you know, buy a little bit of time for his receivers to get open. I mean, I think back to, well, I'll probably mention this to DT, I think back to the signature play maybe of Zach Claris as a bomber quarterback, which was his in his first game, that game in 2019 in Calgary that opened everyone's eyes and that famous touchdown pass after running all over the field to Darvin Adams in the back of the end zone. Zach has been so dangerous this year and throughout his career in Winnipeg with that play. If he is not as mobile as normal, I do wonder what that does to the bomber offensive attack. But I certainly think that Buck Pierce has done such a great job of game planning this year, not to mention Brady Oliveira, the O-line in the running game right now for the Bombers. The Bombers' offense might look a little bit different, but um, I think they'll still have plenty for the Toronto Argonauts when we get to it. Now, we are going to hear from DT in just a minute, Remo, but let's get this clip of O'Shea because one of the things that I was reminded by Gary Lawless in a late night phone call last night and a number of other people is that Mike O'Shea is on the verge of winning three straight Grey Cups and apparently does not have a contract next year for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. In some cases, I think that would be very concerning with Mike O'Shea and just how humble and quiet he is about himself. I wouldn't be surprised if there's already a contract in a desk somewhere, but O'Shea was asked about that earlier today and uh, I think Bomber fans will like what Osh had to say. This is a little clip from today's coach's press conference in Regina at the Grey Cup. It's been reported that you're in the final year of your contract. Is there any doubt about your future in Winnipeg after this game? Uh, no, if you look at the history, I always play out my contracts and figure it out at the end of the year. I wonder why is it that you feel comfortable doing that when that's so atypical in the coaching profession? I don't know just believe in the organization and believe in myself and the team around you, you know, it's, it's not hard to do. All right. So there's uh, Mike O'Shea. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he was also asked, you know, if he uh, believes that, you know, his, uh, he still has a future with this team and I uh, believe the quote was absolutely. So, um, you know, putting that one to bed for the week and, I think even if it was any, even if that wasn't the case, I know knowing Mike O'Shea and the way he handles his business and the job at hand this week, the last thing he would want is any attention whatsoever on him. Even tomorrow when he in all likelihood wins back-to-back -back coach of the year awards in the, uh, in the Canadian football league. Um, Remo, was there any other clips or is that it? He got asked again by Justin Dunk about um, not having a long-term contract. If you want me to uh, throw that one in. Yeah, 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 here. for sure. I mean, I think people are particularly interested in, in Mike O'Shea's situation before we get to breaking down the game uh, and everything around. So uh, here's a little bit more of a Justin Dunk trying to work Osh for a little more information about his future and his contract with the Bombers. Mike, don't tackle me for this, but you've been through this a couple of times where your contract is expiring. I'm wondering if that's how you prefer it and you thrive in it, or would you rather have a longer-term deal like we've seen in the NFL five or 10 years. I'm kind of curious your mentality behind it. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it, to tell you the truth. Uh, you know, if I'm asking our players to stay in the moment and stay focused on that very, that very important task at hand, um, I don't waste a lot of time during the season worrying about um, after the season, right? That's, we can fix that or figure it out after. But 
I, I imagine some people would think it's short-sighted, but I've also always believed that, um, you know, contracts are really about what you're going to do going forward. You know, it's not about what you did in the past. So let's, uh, yeah, once again, I, judging by my answer, I can tell I don't even put a lot of thought into that. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> Think he's focused on Sunday or what? Never mind about himself, his professional future, the money that he's undoubtedly earned from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the top coach of what could be considered a true CFL dynasty after Sunday afternoon. All about the game on Sunday. There's Winnipeg Blue Bombers head coach, Mike O'Shea. We'll talk about this coming up with Derek Taylor in just a second. Um, before we do that, I got to give a shout out to Joe and Consolidated Supply. Great new sponsors of ours. Well, not really new now, but our newest member of the WST family. And we are working on uh, something for December, folks. Uh, obviously, Remo was away. We missed a couple marble races. Marbles will be back on Friday. A great cup marble edition, if you will. But the Marbles Tournament of Champions is coming to Winnipeg Sports Talk. When I get back from World Cup in early December, we are going to have additional marble races throughout the month of December. We'll put together a schedule so you'll know every day where you need to be there at the end of the program to join with us live and get your marble in the race. We'll qualify winners for all of those races. And then, courtesy of the gang at Consolidated Supply, our grand prize winner will receive a pair of bomber season tickets for next year, which we hope will be a drive for four Grey Cup rings after the Bombers hopefully get the job done on Sunday afternoon. So stay tuned to Winnipeg Sports Talk for details on that, all you fans of the Marble Race, and a big thanks to Consolidated Supply for their support of WST. Of course, when you're thinking golf, when you're thinking turf, golf carts, Consolidated Supply have been the leaders in the market for years, but they've also added a number of interesting Areas of the business, including landscaping, hot tubs, some amazing hot tubs available at Consolidated Supply, outdoor kitchens, and more. And, of course, artificial turf. If you're thinking about maybe that dream putting green in the backyard or on the property, they can help you at all. Give Joe Spicy and the gang a call at Consolidated Supply. Pop down and see them at 1395 Niaqua Road East or check them out online at their new relaunched website at cte.com. C-A. And as we mentioned yesterday, we are so excited to be teaming up with Wallace and Wallace and Jets defenseman Josh Morrissey in support of the Dream Factory and our community with the Wallace and Wallace WST Unsung Hero Program. Folks, you know about the people that get it done on the ice. What about the ones that get the job done selflessly in our communities? You know, when we're talking about the person that spends all those extra hours volunteering at the community center, uh, the mom that spends the extra time making things happen for the local school, the person in your community that selflessly goes and is shoveling the drive walks of maybe some of the seniors in the area. The Wallace and Wallace Unsung Hero Program is here to recognize some of those selfless heroes in our community and make a difference for the Dream Factory. This is what we need from you, WST listeners. We need you to nominate that unsung hero in your life or in your community by sending us an email and telling us about them at unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. We'll be collecting 
these stories and sharing many of them throughout the month. And then at the end of the month, we'll sing their praises and award randomly one of the unsung heroes each month with an autographed jersey from Josh Morrissey of the Winnipeg Jets. And it gets even better in honor of the unsung hero. Wallace and Wallace is going to make a $500 donation, which is going to be matched by Josh and Margot Morrissey in the name of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener who submitted a nomination. So we'll be rewarding unsung heroes in the community. We'll be raising money for the Dream Factory. And we'll be doing it all together here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Send your nomination to unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. And you can see that page right now. In the winnipegsports.com slash link section, you can click on the Unsung Hero page, find out more about it. And if you do have an interest in supporting the Dream Factory in the name of this program, you can also make a donation there over to the Dream Factory. Excuse me. Huge thanks to Wallace and Wallace for their great support of uh, WST and this program. God, too much talking right now. We got to get to DT. Uh, just before we do that, uh, of course, our friends at Vita Health also ready for the uh, the uh, winter. And man, November is considered men he- Men's Health Month. Natural products right now to keep you healthy, very important. Vita Health carries everything you need to help relieve prostate issues, reduce stress, and support mental focus. Not to mention, just generally stay healthy right now with everything going around. And they feature Canadian brands like Prairie Naturals, who donate a portion of sales to the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. Vita Health Fresh Market with great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. All right, Billick talking Jets and Bombers. Chris King on Tamu Solani and Teppo Newman and still to come. Right now, though, let's head to Regina and catch up with the voice of the Bombers, Derek Taylor, and look ahead to the Grey Cup on Sunday. You made it there, uh, ready to go for Grey Cup week. How are you? Uh, good, good. I, I am, uh, I've am. i not been dished out a beating since I came back to Regina as the former voice of the Riders. People have been super nice. Uh, a couple of guys recognized me. Welcome back. And I, I thought that was that was super nice because they can have some they got some pretty hard feelings with how their season went to Grey Cup year went for the Riders. But uh, folks here have been great so far. Well, you know, of course, there'll be lots of talk with the Riders in the entire league as we get up to the game. But uh, for the purposes of our conversation, it is all about the two-time defending champs and the uh, challenging Toronto Argonauts. I know you were uh, checking out the coaches this morning. How were uh, Ocean Dinwiddie this morning? What was the vibe around there? And uh, what kind of came out of the coaches' press conference from your uh, perspective, Derek? Yeah, they were, they were both pretty good. Both guys are playing a little close to the best. And and both guys, uh, like I noticed this from O'Shea doing the coaches' show with him every week, but uh, it didn't win. I always find it interesting that guys who are like O'Shea is the elite of CFL coaches right now, right? Back-to-back Grey Cups. What is it? 2014, he took over, so nine years in charge. He, he always just seems very unimpressed with himself. Like I would, if I was O'Shea, I would be broadcasting to everybody. I'd have like world's greatest on a t-shirt, but he's just very kind of unimpressed with himself and doesn't feel that he's, you know, deserving of a ton of praise or he's special in any way. When I think as Bomber fans, we all know that O'Shea absolutely is special, but he consistently defers, 
first to the players, next to the other coaches, the organization. So Ryan Dinwiddie has has some of that as well, it appears. The, the big thing to come out of it, and we've known it for some time, is that O'Shea doesn't have a contract at the end of the year. And it's not something that, you know, in the local media in Winnipeg that we ask him about a ton because he's not going to talk about it very much because for the reasons we've talked about, he, he doesn't want to put himself forward as particularly important. Again, we know that's not entirely true, but O'Shea just doesn't want to do it. So he was asked on a couple of occasions, well, what is it about your contract? You don't have one for next season. Wouldn't you like, you know, this college football style where you win, you win 10 games and go to a bowl game, you get a 10-year contract. And he said, honestly, I just don't think about it during the season. And if I'm asking my players to focus on uh, the season in the season and focus on going 1-0, as they like to say, how can I be thinking about my contract? So he's, I don't, whether something is is already done and he feels comfortable or he just, don't, you know, in his heart, he just knows, eh, well, we will literally figure it out at the end of the year. It, it was neat mm-hmm. to, to get his take on that. He, he always unfailingly just kind of goes, yeah, my role in this is pretty small, which I, I just, I admire a ton. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't kind of like him to stand up on a table and beat his chest and go free, three great cups in a row. If they win on Sunday, it's, his uh, level, his level of humility is point zero zero one percentile at the top or 99.9. It is incredible. And, and the funny thing is that he will defer to everybody else, but you talk to anybody else in that organization, including every single player in that locker room. And they mention how important Mike O'Shea is to this team as a leader of men. Um, Derek, the other thing that everyone, you know, justifiably has been somewhat interested and I think semi nervous about is the <laughs> status of Zach Caleros. Now, I mean, we were breaking down him walking down the stairs of that plane in Regina, like the Zapruder film yesterday. All in all, looked pretty good. I wouldn't say he looked completely a hundred percent, but um, what did you take from what you've seen from Zach so far, and your feeling about his level of readiness to uh, be out there and you know get the job done for the Bombers on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, it's it's super fun breaking down that video, right? Going, well, how does a person normally walk, and how is he walking compared to how I think a person normally walks? And you're going back in your mind's eye of. How does Kolaris move? Is that sock a little thicker than the other one? Does that mean there's a wrap underneath that? What's happening? Do I believe Greg Ellingson, who said he was putting Russell Wilson to shame in the aisle of the plane as they flew to Regina? It's uh, We'll know when they hit the practice field uh, Wednesday afternoon, right? That'll, that'll be the big one. Uh, however much we get to see him, uh, is he with the first team? If Zach isn't with the first team, oh boy, we're going to start talking about it. How does he look with the first team? If they run a normal practice, the Bombers have a segment where the defense just constantly throws pressure at the offense and the offense, you know, figures out hot reads and how to deal with it. Zach's known to scramble out in those, right? Plant his foot in the ground, duck out to the right and on the run, bomb one to Dembski way downfield. How does he look in that scenario? How does he look? Because it's his, it's his right leg and his right ankle. So uh, that would be his plant foot when he's in the pocket. How does he look in there? We're going to be looking at, at absolutely everything in that. That said, like, I just presume that almost every football player, and I think Kalaris, would ha- in a Ronnie Lott-type situation, he would have the, the trainer, Al Couture, figuring out what kind of prosthetic could he be fit for on Sunday if they have to cut off his foot so he can play. Like, he's, he's playing. He's 
barring the removal of his foot that cat's playing so uh what level will he play at and can he do that stuff when they get out of structure and he has to scramble and make those huge plays to a shown or an ellingson uh we'll see because it was it was pretty clear last week that nathan rourke wasn't the same in that respect how how will Kolaris be in that respect and how does that then affect Sunday's game. Well, I, and I mean, listen, my only level of concern is exactly what you nailed. Um, you know, Zach Kolaris is so deadly when he's buying time for himself and running out of the pocket. I mean, really, it goes back to the signature play of his time as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber, his first game, that game against the Calgary Stampeders and the pass in the back of the end zone to Darvin Adams. And you do worry if that is compromised, what that does. But I'll say this. I think Buck Pierce has been brilliant with his game plan. I think Buck's going to know exactly what the limitations, if any, there are for his quarterback, and will plan for that going in. Um, but you certainly do want to have your guys as, as close to 100%, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of concern around the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on it. So maybe we'll just stay along that. Just quickly, uh, what did you make of the uh, everything that was Sunday uh, at IG Field? I mean, the crowd, the environment, the atmosphere, and uh, the 60-minute performance by the Bombers earning their spot back to Regina. Yeah, first up, the crowd was ridiculous, right? And it really, we maybe sometimes overemphasize the impact it has on other teams because some teams are pretty good at it. But BC ran a play needing a touchdown they ran a play with 33 seconds left, and they didn't get the next playoff until there was seven seconds left. So the crowd essentially took from the BC Lions 26 of the most important seconds of their season because Rourke couldn't communicate to everybody, hey, this is the play. And so it, the crowd there was was fantastic. When I, when I look out, out the booth, I look right across at home of the CFL's loudest fans, 100%. Uh, that was the case in that one. Um, Kolaris didn't look great in that game. Uh, he threw the interception early second quarter in the end zone. Uh, and as much as he kind of brushed it off in our post-game show when we interviewed him, he had two balls in that first quarter that at one certainly should have been intercepted by TJ Lee. A second by who should have been picked off to a lesser extent. It was a little tougher catch by Manny Regamba. And you go, ooh, three interceptions or three interceptable passes, including one that was picked off is that's rough. And it probably has a great deal to, to be uh, why they went to the running game so heavily, right. With Brady Oliveira. And then they went, oh, okay, Brady and this offensive line are crushing it. Let's keep feeding the beast and we can win this way as well. Um, it wasn't Zach's finest performance this season, which is a surprise because when it came to games against BC and Calgary, he was firing on all cylinders in in all those games. So uh, that part was a little surprise, and, and you certainly hope for uh, a little better because, uh, I mean, Zach's never going to be too bad. Uh, but uh, they don't – remember last year, the West Final, of course, folks watching, remember the West Final last year, six turnovers, including three Kalaris picks. To me, they don't have that kind of runway against this Argos team. They couldn't, in my mind, turn the ball over six times and expect to win. Well, I'll say this. Um, I think the blueprint, though, for winning this football game is very similar to uh, to Sunday. And it's not putting it all on the shoulders of your all-pro quarterback. It's dominating the line of scrimmage and having the best defense in the Canadian Football League step up and exert their will on their opponents. Now, the Argos are going to have something to say about that. Uh, but, man, we've talked so long about the foundation of this team being that defense and particularly the offensive line. 
I don't think that we'll see a lot of difference uh, unless the Argos force the Bombers to go a different way, running the football, keeping the football, moving the chains, and making every single yard for the Toronto offense. Um, you know, they're going to have to earn that against Willie J and the guys. Yeah, the defense has been different this year, though, right? Like last year, it was dominant. But this year, throughout, you know, 18 games plus the playoffs, we've We've seen some holes. Winston Rose in the double move has been a, a real problem for them. Uh, they're, they're now the field side is three guys who, who don't have a ton of experience together. Alden Darby's been in the league a long time. Desmond Lawrence was in Hamilton's playoff run last year and has been fantastic so far. Jamal Parker is, is a fresh rookie right from, uh, right from America. So there's the potential. There's some problems in there. Willie, Willie Jefferson is Willie Jefferson. And when Jackson Jeffco can play, He's producing pressures per game at probably the highest level in the CFL, but there's no Stove Richardson in the middle. And I like my Casey Sales and, and uh, Jake Thomas, but Stove was a different deal getting pressure in the middle. Big Hill is being committed to coverage more than he's allowed to rush the passer as he was last year. And Malik Clements, uh, Malik Clements has been fine, but not necessarily in my mind as assignment sound as Kyrie Wilson was last year in, in the Grey Cup. So, it's not last year's defense, and it has been exposed at points this season. Not so bad that they've lost more than three games, but you go, mm, if Dylan Mitchell can stop and go, Winston Rose, and walk into the end zone, could Brandon Banks do that or DeVaris Daniels do that? And I think that's certainly on the table. So it's it, they're capable of great performances, but I unlike last year's great cup to me, they're not guaranteed a great defensive performance. You know, the one thing I'll say about the defense um, was I was really impressed with the way they stopped the run. I mean, Butler did not have a lot going on. And I don't know whether they were trying on purpose to run towards Willie Jefferson's way, but um, he wasn't having any of that. Yeah. But of course we know who's going to be in the backfield for the double blue, our old friend, Andrew Harris. And from someone that covers the game, I mean, it, the story doesn't get any juicier, uh, <laughs> but what do you think about Harris with his chance? And we always talk about the chip on his shoulder. This is going to be a freaking boulder. It'll be the size of the moon when we get to Mosaic Field in the afternoon. I mean, the Harris effect and the Argos ability to run the football um, for Sunday's game. Yeah, Harris will be interesting because in the in the first meeting between the two teams, the only regular season meeting, it was very clear. He was very inspired to play hard against the Bombers, right? Like he was at full steam ahead. 111 yards, I think it was, and they, they just kept feeding them the ball. Uh, last week, the catch for 30 yards, a screen pass that, honestly, a lot of guys would have got 30 yards off of. So he did just fine there. Uh, he had the touchdown, and I think it was, what, nine carries for 41 yards. So he's he's a guy who's having the lowest yards per carry of his career. And, you know, the running game is a byproduct of the blockers in front and the blockers on the perimeter and the, and the plays that you call – so Harris is at Harris is too valuable a weapon to leave out of this one. I think AJ Willette is also too valuable a weapon to uh, leave out of this one. Uh, you remember remember the old uh, and this isn't too old, but the the Tampa Bay Bucks running back Doug uh, Doug Martin, the muscle hamster. Yeah, yeah, course. that AJ Willette kind of runs like that. Like he runs like he's trying to kill people, and I I need if I'm the Argos, I need some of that in my offense as well, but. If if McLeod Bethel Thompson doesn't throw for 300 yards and DeVars is dropping balls and and uh, I mean if Banks has, can have the game that he had in the Eastern Final, uh, their chances will be will be a lot better. But yeah, it, 
Andrew Harris, just from the storyline perspective <laughs> and for and just to, to honor the fact that a guy tore his peck 12 weeks ago and gets back to the Eastern final, that's that's an incredible story. So if he can have any impact, uh, any serious impact, uh, it would be a fantastic story. Yeah, don't rule out Andrew Harris for anything. I think we've learned that over the years, but especially this year, and it really is a great story. And I'm really happy that he's going to be in this game. It'll add a lot to the Grey Cup, and um, certainly regardless of what happens going forward, the fact that he was able to get back on the field and be back in the Grey Cup, very, very cool. From a defensive perspective, DT, uh, we were talking yesterday with our why not question of the day as far as, you know, who's an X factor for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, someone that we might not be talking mm. about amongst the stars, uh, but that is going to need to have a big game. When you look at, you know, how the Argos match up against the Bombers, is there a player or two um, that, you know, is definitely going to have to step up with one of their best performances if um, the defense wants to continue doing what they've been doing? Do you, want a, do you want a Bombers defensive player or an Argos defensive player? Well, Bombers, but I'd love an Argo yeah. player as well. Uh, defensively, uh, I feel like we're, we're going to end up with teams will, will end up testing Jamal Parker again. But I mean, for the, the physical reasons of Jamal's five foot eight. So what if we can run Tavares Daniels on him? Uh, what if we can do some stuff with Marquise Ambles in that number two spot to the field and make him make him cover that and work him in that way? I think he's kind of the natural one to point to because test Adam Big Hill, good luck with your life. Maybe maybe you test Malik Clements a little bit in the run game and make sure that he's uh, gap sound in his in his run game. But there there aren't a lot of spots to pick on in this in this Bombers defense. For for all I was saying five minutes ago about they're not last year's defense. They're not a defense riddled with holes either, right? Like Desmond Lawrence takes over that field corner. The first game against he plays against BC, he has four pass knockdowns. And for the season, despite playing just one game, he's fifth on the team in pass knockdowns. And you go, that's that's pretty good. Another important one in the in the game uh, in the Western final as well. So I, I would look for if Jamal Parker can have a big game and can keep it uh, keep it tight. I think they're pretty good. If Winston Rose has has a as a game where he doesn't uh, where he plays Winston, you know, 2019 Winston Rose level football. Uh, that that would be a critical thing for me within that uh, that Bombers defense. Oh, the Argos defense. Jacarrett Davis in six straight Grey Cups. I, I think I still don't think people know that Jacarrett Davis is unbelievable at football. Like just every year, day, year in year out, relentless quarterback pressure, and it doesn't necessarily lead to 10, 12, 15 sacks every year, but just relentless quarterback pressure. Uh, borderline unblockable in some games and he was terrific in last year's uh, last year's playoff run for Hamilton so I, I still he's a guy I always like to point to because I still don't think people think of him in that Willie Jefferson Jackson Jeff coat class of defensive ends but he's uh, if he's not in that if he's not in that Willie Jefferson tier he's in the one right below it yeah, I, I hate to speak about the East Division as almost the JV of the uh, Canadian Football League, but I, I, but I but to be perfectly frank, if Jericho Davis was a bomber, if he was a rider, if he was a Calgary Stampeder, uh, we're probably talking. And I think his problem, you know, I think people are much more aware of just how dominant a player that he's been, and the fact that every team that gets him makes it to the championship game for the last six years is. Pretty incredible in its own right. Derek Taylor is with us. DT, of course, will have uh, plenty of coverage along with the 680 CGOB team from Regina. I heard Macklings there. I, how many of you were going to be out there? 
Could you get yeah, Toth uh, off the couch and uh, him out there for the weekend? Oh, it'd be great to have Toth, just the mayor of Regina. He'd be within like 48 hours, right? Yeah, Greg Mackling from the starts out here covered some, covering uh, doing his morning show and then uh, covering some of the uh, the more fun events around town. We'll be doing uh, a Saturday show from 2 until 4. We'll have some of your favorite Bomber stars on. We'll do a pregame show on Sunday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then we'll do postgame the second the final whistle comes. And I say with my fingers crossed, they lift the Grey Cup for a third straight time. Uh, we'll have all your interviews and analysis. Doug Brown will join us. The great Bob Irving will be with us as well for the weekend. Uh, we'll have some special guests. For me, it's not a Grey Cup if Sarah Orleski isn't here. So we're try- we're doing our best to get Sarah on with us. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of great coverage on OB. Well, I, I cannot wait for it. And I hope you're ready, fingers crossed, in the event of a win to go with a post-game show that never ends because I remember last year about how much fun it was and you know how people just can't get enough of this team and, of course, the coverage that you guys are bringing. Back to the team going forward. They're on the practice field for their first practice this afternoon, sort of towards the end of today's show to about 4 o'clock Regina time. What do we know about the schedule for the rest of Grey Cup week for the club um, as well as the events? We've got player awards coming. I mean, there is a lot outside of just the preparations for the game as much as Michael Shea would prefer to keep it just to that. Yeah. Yeah. Both coaches would love that tomorrow's the close practice. So the one we won't know what's happening and where the real, the real stuff will be prepped for the great cup. Tomorrow's the player awards in which uh, Dalton shown should absolutely, it, it should be a uh, unanimous that shown wins the rookie of the year, but I understand it won't be unanimous because of some voting thing that happened. Uh, Zach's the, the MOP and he should get that award for the second straight year. And Mike O'Shea should be the first coach since 2000 to win back-to-back coaches of the year. Those should be walks. I wonder about Stanley and I wonder if the voting will go, if there's some Stanley Bryant fatigue among voters. Uh, to me, that's nonsense. because Stanley was, was the best left tackle in the game this year. So maybe four awards given out Thursday, Friday's a media day for them as opposed to a practice day where they sit in the room for, 90 minutes and we go and talk to whoever we want Saturday to walk through Sunday, five o'clock kickoff of the great cup. Cannot wait for it. Um, 11 to one pregame on Sunday. So when you get up and you're making your brunch and you're pacing yourself for great cup Sunday, tune in with DT and the guys for a couple hours. And again, Saturday two to four, a special great cup Saturday show with you and the gang from Regina, Derek jealous that I'm not there this year. Um, but as I said, I'll be, uh, uh, the first thing I do when I get to Qatar is figure out how the hell I'm watching the game. I'll have about four hours to do it. And if people see some crazy dude in blue and gold running around the streets of Doha, uh, they probably won't know what's going on, but everyone around here will know what's up. Listen, all the best. Have a great week. Have one for me. And, uh, hopefully you'll be, uh, going long Sunday night, talking to bomber fans about a three-peat for the best team in the Canadian football league. Thanks so much for doing this and have a great, great cup week in Regina. Thanks brother. Enjoy Qatar, by the way, that'll be, oh, uh, Alfonso Davies. If Alfonso Davies needs a hamstring, just, just get me on the phone and I'll send him one. <laughs> I don't think mine is very good, but I would, I would give a <laughs> transplant of anything to make sure that he's there for our guys. When uh, we get going against Belgium next week, thanks DT. All the best. Thanks brother. All right, great stuff with DT. Looking forward to the OB coverage and, uh, well, everything around the uh, Grey Cup as we head into Sunday. Looking for the Bombers to see if they can make it a three-peat. All right, 
Uh, Billick is on deck coming up right away. Do got to give a big thanks, personal thanks to uh, Trevor and the Knott staff for the great hospitality at the West Final on Sunday. Not Auto Corp, great supporters of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and so many things in Winnipeg. But for most of you, you know, Not Auto Corp is the spot to start any search for a new or upgraded vehicle in the province of Manitoba. They're over at Waverly and McGilvery. You can, of course, check them out online at not.ca. So many amazing vehicles on the lot. And if there is a particular make and model that you've got your heart set on, talk to the experts at Not. They'll find it for you, source it, get it here, and get you into it at the best possible price. And by the way, with winter here, have you got your winter tires yet? If you don't, uh, they've got winter tire specials and... The MPI payment plan, why not get safe winter tires now and pay later at Not Auto Corp? Pop down and see them. Tell them the boys at WST sent you. Waverly and McGilvery and online at not.ca. Well, as I mentioned off the top of the show, uh, had to get ready for this trip to Qatar supporting Canada at the World Cup. And listen, there's not a lot of people that have a lot of Canada soccer gear because, well, we haven't been to the World Cup since 1986. Uh, of course, our women have been near the top of the world for the last decade plus, but now it's the men's turn to get in on the biggest sporting event of the year. And for those of you that want to get into some Canada gear, Royal Sports is so packed right now. If you're with us on YouTube, you can see this video that I took yesterday. Jerseys, Jonathan David, Estacchio, uh, Alfonso Davies, red, black, white versions of the jerseys, hoodies, scarves, hats and more everything you need to get ready for next week's world cup is at royal sports of course they've got some of the other countries as well i don't support any other country other than canada but you may check it out there at royal sports and by the way um, amazing bomber gear as well tons of new stuff coming in as well as jets gear so whatever team you are supporting over the next little while with so much excitement in the sports scene Royal Sports is the place to get it. 750 Pemina Highway. And check out their Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And of course, if you're not wearing, you might need to upgrade your wardrobe for your fan, uh, for your the soccer fan in you. You also, in real life, might be needing to upgrade the wardrobe, and we all know where that starts. F Apparel at 190 Smith Street downtown. Andrew and the guys have you covered all the best and latest menswear and custom suits starting at just $400. The entire process was an absolute breeze. Pop down, talk to the guys, figure out what style you want, what fabrics you want to use, what color, get you measured up. And a few weeks later, you got a beautiful new custom suit made to order, fitting perfectly along with all the accessories that you want. And hey guys, if you are in a wedding party for next year, Great special this month. If you get your wedding party booked in and the guys measured by the end of November, everyone will get a free shirt as well as 10% off. You could save up to $130 and you'll have a great suit to wear for more than just one wedding in the middle of next summer. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown and online at F, that's E-P-H apparel.com. All right, we got lots of jets and bomber topics to get to. With Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun, who joins us now. Scotty, what's going on? How was the trip out to Seattle? Always good. Always good. I love Seattle. It's a great place. Um, it's always nice and 
uh, I, I guess humidity, humid is is, is the word. It, it, it's just not it's not as dry as as the prairies. So, moist. Yeah, it's a very moist. moist yeah, uh, I don't like cow. that word. I just I hate that word. <laughs> uh, my wife hates that word, and uh, I try not to use it unless I'm trying to bug her about it. But uh, yeah, it's um, no, uh, Seattle's great. I mean, the the whole town's nice. It's it's clean. Um, I always find Seattle to be a really clean city, and uh, yeah, that that arena is something else. I really like that arena. It's uh, probably one of my favorites in the NHL. So yeah, it was a it was a good trip. It was a quick one, but uh, yeah, it was nice to visit the West Coast there. Well, uh, it was a uh, it was quite a game. Um, yeah, you know the uh, obviously the comeback. I mean, Blake Wheeler was front and center really from the second half of the game on. Ever since he spent the four minutes in the penalty box, came out like vintage Wheeler taking that puck to the net and barely missing what would have been a highlight real goal. And then thanks to a very ill-timed sucker punch to the back of the head of Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's driving everybody crazy yeah. these days, <laughs> Carson Soucy served up a late power play for the Jets and they took advantage of it. And there was Wheeler with 300 scoring the tying goal and a beautiful two-on-one between Josh Morrissey and Mark Shifley finishing the job in OT. Um, very important bounce back, I thought, for the Jets, considering what they yeah. built up until that point. You had a lot of practice time. A game in Calgary that, for my money, was basically a special teams game that the Jets came out on the wrong side of. Um, to come back, get those two points, keep the good vibes going into uh, this game on a Thursday. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the Calgary game was a weird one. Like Calgary you know, played like a desperate team that needed a win, and they did, right? They hadn't won a game in seven um, I think they only had two points. They were all five and two going into that game, and, and you know the Jets came in. You know, I, I you know I've heard a lot of couple of players now talk a little bit about going into that game having three days off before. And what's interesting about that is they've had three days off, you know, before now going into the Anaheim game. But you know they'll probably have learned their lesson. I think going into that Calgary game, um, you know, they just didn't play good in the first and the third in that game, and they, you know it kind of cost them. Um, a lot, and then you go into the Seattle game, and it's like, oh, that, that's a tough one, right? I mean, you listen to Blake Wheeler talk about that after after the game. Um, you know, they they leave because it started; it was an eight p.m. start local in Calgary, so the game ended. At, you know, eleven thirty. Um, Rick Bonus had to do after hours, which they pre-taped um, right after he got off the off the off the ice. He was already on with Scott Oak um, doing that, so. Um, they tried to get out there as quick as they can, but I don't think they got to their hotel room so closer to 3 a.m. Uh, Seattle time. You obviously gain an hour, but um, you still kind of lose it, right? I mean, you don't. Um, yeah, it's a tough game. It's a, it's the, the the minimum, the 22 hours, and they came out and you know in the in the first period there, and you know yeah, it was thought that maybe Seattle might kind of take that one, but um, you know the Jets kind of figured it out in the second period there. It was a good second period in Seattle. Um, you know, the third was kind of so-so, obviously. Um, it, it wasn't really that good. I think they had three shots in the first, like, 18 minutes of that period. Um, but, yeah, gifted with a couple of power plays late there. Obviously, the Carson Soucy one um, kind of tipped the scales finally. Um, you know, obviously, it, it was Soucy, too, who kind of ran Mason Appleton into the boards there. And that, that was more of a, it was there was nothing wrong with the hit. Uh, and we can get into that injury, obviously, uh, the diagnosis on, on Mason Appleton, but just kind of a freak accident there where his stick went into the timekeeper. There's like timekeeper hole where they, you know, like the timekeeper will give like a puck to uh, the ref or the ref will kind of like talk into it and just tell the timekeeper like, you know, what, what the penalty is or whatever that. And that's where the stick ended up getting um, his blade kind of get, getting jammed into the, into that. 
I mean, that's such a, you know, you, you rarely see anything like that happen. And obviously happened uh, to Mason Appleton there and, and uh, did a, you know, a number on his wrists. So, but yeah, you know, to come out of that game with two points, scoring with five, I think it was, it, I think it showed on TV 3.9 seconds. They reverted that to 5.2. And then, yeah, obviously that goal in overtime. I mean, Shifley's back check, uh, the smooth skating of Josh Morrissey. Um, and then what a pass by Morrissey to, uh, uh, to Shifley for the winner there. And, you know, it, you know, that's, you know, the Jets team, they can do that. And, you know, it, they stuck with it in that game. As, as difficult as it was to play that game, given the hour, the time change, the flight, not getting in, you know, the Jets played a, a good game against a Kraken team that had, that had been, you know, running a little bit better than, you know, we have seen in the past. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, you come away from that trip with two points, especially the way that you played in Calgary. And, uh, you know, I think, I think they were happy with that. Um, and, and the bounce back, as you you said off the top there. Well, back home now yeah. for uh, beginning a homestand tomorrow with the Hall of Fame game. And I know a lot yeah. of the talk going in is going to be about Tay Mussolini and Teppo Newman. And we're going to talk about that with Chris King a little later on in the program. Um, but the Jets had a great, perfect homestand before they headed out for those two on the weekend. And they'll look to get going again against the Anaheim Ducks, who have been struggling so far and have not yet won in regulation this year. Knock on wood that that doesn't happen tomorrow night. But as far as practice today, we'll get to the good news and Nikolai Ehlers in a second. But you mentioned yeah. Mason Appleton. We're hearing this is like surgery long-term out of the lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, eight to 12 weeks. Um, I'd uh, reported it earlier that, yeah, he was going to have surgery this morning um, for uh, his wrist, obviously, his wrist injury. Um, and it, it was at least eight weeks. And then when you know Rick came and spoke about it today, yeah, it was between eight and twelve. So I mean, that's two and three months out for Mason Appleton. That's a tough loss for the Jets. I mean, you know, I've seen it on Twitter. You know, not everybody's liked his you know stint on the top line and all that stuff. Um, to me, I thought he's been you know serviceable, and I thought that line was starting to gel in the last few games, uh, last couple games on the homestand, and then on the road trip. Um, you know, they've been kind of figuring it out together. Kind of, you know, Mason was you know starting to you know, figure out that he can, you know, do more than just, you know, forecheck on that, 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 that line, like he can actually be an offensive presence as well. Um, but I mean, I think it really hurts their, their penalty kill, right? That, that penalty kill had been very, very good. Um, obviously, you know, they got scored on, on the one, uh, I believe in Calgary, maybe in Seattle. Um, but before that, I think they were like 16 for 16 going into that Seattle game um, over their past, uh, I believe it was six games. Um, and, you know, a large part of that is Adam Lowry and the Mason Appleton pairing up top for them. Um, very aggressive. Like that penalty kill this year has been a lot more aggressive and far less passive uh, than it was in, in recent years. And so, you know, it, it's just, it's a bit of a, it, it is a blow, especially with Nicola Ehlers out. I mean, obviously he was on the ice today, as you mentioned. Um, that is some of the good news. But again, with his injury right now, they're being very, uh, very cautious with it, uh, let's say. Um, they haven't said it. It, it, it. You know, everything kind of points to a groin injury here. I don't know that officially at the, at this point, but everything kind of points to it. Just the way that how delicate they're kind of being with the situation, because you you want him to be fully healed from that. Um, because you know, if you have any sort of setback with a groin, it, it just continues, right? And it, you know, it's like a snowball running downhill uh, with with those types of injuries. Um, so you know, it, it was good news, uh, you know, to see Nikolai Ehlers out. He was separate from the group working with the Winnipeg strength and conditioning coach today on, you know, it was a pretty brief skate. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I guess the bigger thing now is, is, is he out there tomorrow again, 
right? And Rick Bonus said that after today, you know, he kind of, you know, he's been one to on this, but do, um, and you want to, you know, if, if you're you're happy if you're a Jets fan to see Nick Aguilar's back on the ice. But the biggest test is, you know, is he going to be back out there tomorrow on the ice? Um, and how is it going to, uh, how is it going to respond after you know getting that kind of workout in? They, and he hasn't skated in just uh, just under a month. It was the Dallas game, second game of the year, um, October was that 18th, I think, because he came out for the pregame warm up for the the Colorado game or the pregame skate, sorry, um, uh, for the Colorado game, but then left early. So been just under a month since he skated so yeah it'll be really important to see if he's back on the ice tomorrow um and you know maybe if that's the case then maybe you're starting to talk about next week's road trip uh potentially for him to kind of maybe return but i don't think you'll see him um at all on this homestand yeah uh you know i mean i think they're not in as desperate a situation as you might have expected if they'd been missing nikolai either's for pretty much the entire first part of the yeah. season minus two games and, um, but I'll say what, uh, one thing, Scott, you know, these injuries are sort of piling up right now for one thing, yeah. you know, was Nikolai Ehlers for a while. Now, I mean, Adam Lowry was playing with Mason Appleton and Morgan Barron. Both of those players are out long-term Appleton longer than, uh, than Barron, but it has given some players opportunities to jump up in the lineup. I love the Johnson Fialbi and Menelainen combo with Lowry on that third line, Yeah, but it's interesting uh, lines were a little different today. Those two players weren't playing with each other. And Mikey Isimont, who, if yeah. people have not been paying attention to the Manitoba Moose, or maybe you weren't watching a lot during training camp, unfamiliar with this player. But this guy is a real ball of energy. And I think he's acquitted himself quite well in his first couple of games in the lineup. And it mm-hmm. seems like he's impressed the coaching staff as well, where he might get an opportunity to play with Adam Lowry. And you know that means some significant minutes and opportunity if you're with 17. Yeah, I mean, you know, having, you know, Mike Eastman is like kind of the Duracell, was it, the bunny, right? You know, it just kind of keeps going and going and going. And 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 Rick Bonus said, that, like, he liked the game in Seattle from Mikey Esmond. Um, It was Mikey Esmond doing what Mikey Esmond does, which is, it. he, he just, he, he's like a, I mean, you know, let's call him a Brandon Tanev light or, uh, you know, even as some, you know, some of the skill that Mason Appleton has too. Um, but he's in on pucks. He, uh, Rick Bonus called him fearless today. Um, and and he does a lot of the things that you'd want him to do on that third line. What what intrigues me a little bit with Mickey Esmond is you know if he is if you see him like is that Mikey uh, the Adam or the sorry the Mason Appleton, um, you know does he kind of get a shot on that top line at some point? Um, you know do you move him up there if the, if the Gagne is not working because Esmond's got the speed. And that's one of the things that's kind of kept uh, Sam Gagne off that top line. Obviously they've gone to him with Appleton out. And they've tried it, you know, a couple other times when it just hasn't been working for that top line. Um, but with Gagne, it's, it, 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 you know, he has the skill, um, but he just doesn't maybe have the speed to kind of keep up with Mark and Kyle. And so that's kind of one of the things that you wonder, okay, well, do you move uh, Mikey Esamont up there? Um, maybe Johnson Fialbi gets a chance. You know, the one thing with Johnson Fialbi is he's got all the speed in the world. It just it, it comes to his hands sometimes. You know, the, his hands don't always catch up with his with, with the speed. I mean, you see them practice sometimes though. the guy's got a shot um, and he can put a bar down on, on, on the best of them. Um, but you'd like to see that sort of thing in a game. So yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. Like I, I like Esmont's game. I like the way he plays. He gets under guy's skin. Um, you know, he's kind of a little buzzsaw out there and you, and you, you and that's the kind of thing that 
that Rick Bonus is like, but he brings more than just kind of like that pest thing. This isn't like the old days where it's just whatever. Like he brings, you know, he uh, Rick Bonus said he likes the way that Mikey Asimov shoots the puck. So he gets in the offensive zone and he's thinking shot. It's not just, you know, pass it off to the guys that are better than me or whatever uh, anymore. It's, you know, no, we want these guys to shoot the puck. Um, and so Rick Bonus was, you know, quick to say and point out some of the good things that Essamont did. Um, he was also quick to point out that he needs it consistently from Essamont. I mean, he's only had one game here um, that he's played. He wants to see that consistent effort now from game to game to game, which, you know, to me, I, you know, I'm just kind of reading between the lines. Like, you know, they want to make sure that this is something that continues to happen, um, obviously, on a consistent basis. And that's one being one big thing about Rick Bonus is, it's consistency. He likes it in his in his his pairings, in his lines, and all that stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, and but I think Esmond can do it. I think there's a guy who's really motivated. He's played well with the Moose, as you as you said, and uh, I think he's motivated to kind of you know find himself a, a niche on a on an NHL roster. And I think right now with Ehlers and Barron and now Appleton out, um, there is a chance for him to kind of maybe solidify a spot at least for now until somebody, uh, you know, somebody comes back. Well, I'll say this. He uh, obviously impressed the coaching staff. I mean, just yeah. to be, you know, in the mix for a spot with Adam Lowry uh, and yeah. Janssen Fialvi on that third line, I think yeah, speaks kind of to the impression that he made. Right, yeah. exactly. And then Overtaking Harkins and Toninato. And, and, right and, that and, line, and again, exactly. I mean, you know, we'll see what that means in the first period of the game. You know, we'll see what that means in warm up and when the game actually starts, if that is the way that it looks. But it does have a different look for Gus along with that fourth line right now. Yeah. And Menelainen has been, you know, really good so far this season. He can certainly play either on that third or fourth line. And I guess, I mean, if we take from today's practice, we might be seeing Dominic Toninato coming back into the lineup um, after yeah. Jansen Harkins has played quite well. And I'm not sure if Bonus spoke to that. You can maybe tell us, but it, it does seem like, I mean, Toninato made the team and Harkins was the one that got sent back down. Hart yeah. came in, got the opportunity, played well. I think that there is an element from the coaching staff of trying to make sure that, you know, these guys do get games, right. much like putting Capo Bianco in that game a week ago or so um, to give them a an opportunity. And that sort of competition hopefully brings out the best in all of those guys um, because I think all of them, especially Harkins, I mean, for my opinion, has shown that, you know, he can be one of your top 12 and maybe even have an opportunity to move up. But you obviously do like Toninato and don't want him sitting for a long, long time. Not to mention, somewhat discouraging. You make the team, you're with the club, you're being the good soldiers, the 13th forward. Guy gets hurt, someone comes up, and then they're in the lineup. Um, but that should make all those guys in that bottom six um, a lot hungrier to show every shift that they deserve to stay in the lineup. Yeah, I think hungry is the right word there. I think Rick Bonus likes to keep his guys hungry, right? Just hungry enough that they're motivated to keep the practice going, to keep the hard work up, you know, just to have that sniff, right? Um, and I think he's done he, – there's a fine line as a head coach to kind of um, kind of walk in terms of, you know, keeping those guys that, uh, as you said, kind of good soldiers, right, doing that kind of job not an easy job for a lot of guys to do especially for somebody like Jansen Harkins who goes down to the AHL um, and lights it up in a top six role down there um, which I think is interesting too like I I'd be interested to see what's going to happen to Jansen Harkins so here's a guy that they sent down now Jansen Harkins wasn't playing a grinding role anymore when they sent him down that used to be the case with with the moose and him 
um, under Paul Maurice. But now, you know, they sent him down there to play an offensive role. And, you know, were they kind of, you know, grooming him for something like this instead, where maybe he could move up into the top six. But the interesting thing, too, is, you know, you don't see him in those pairings. And in this morning, or at least today, um, and, and yesterday, you know, you didn't really see him um, playing that kind of role. So I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with Jansen Harkins. And one of the biggest, you know, I guess the knocks against Jansen Harkins has always kind of been kind of consistency. But, you know, to Jansen Harkins' credit, you know, you want him to play a certain game one night and then a certain game the other night. Um, you, you put him in the top six and he would, you know, maybe score a couple of goals, but then you put him on the fourth line and you're asking him to do something completely different in four or five minutes of time. Uh, of ice time and and so you know I think Jensen Harkins has had kind of this weird kind of um, uh, you know just the, the way that he's been kind of deployed in the past um, hasn't really changed a lot this year in terms of that either I, I mean he obviously didn't make the team out of training camp and only came up when Barron uh, went out injured so um, yeah I'm interested to see kind of how that that works for Jensen because like you know I think there's a guy who, who thinks he he could play that that kind of top six role and has before. Um, he's been on a line with Mark Shifley in the past. And and so, I mean, he knows and he can play that. He, he's got the speed. He can he can be that first guy in, um, uh, you know, kind of the a la kind of uh, the Mason Appletons of the world that, that they've been placing on that line. But again, I think with him, it's, it's just the consistency. And that's something that Rick Bonus, again, drives home all the time. He wants a consistent effort and I had a nine out. And I'm not sure that Jansen Harkins has always given that for, for Rick Bonus at this point. So, yeah, for now you see Mikey Esamont, um, you got Johnson Fialbi. I mean, you you could and Saku Manalainen. All three of those guys. Well, I mean, Esamont you haven't seen as much, but the other two, Manalainen and and Johnson Fialbi. I mean, those guys every night. I mean, I mean, there's a reason why those guys have stuck in the lineup is because they go every night, and it would, no matter what line, third line, fourth line, they're always playing. So, um, and 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 they're doing their job and doing their role. So. And it's all about consistency, and and we'll see kind of what Esmont can do because if you know if Esmont maybe doesn't have a great game against uh, the Anaheim Ducks, you're probably you know bringing Jansen Harkins back into the lineup and seeing if he can do it. And you know it's interesting now, and just to kind of his team always used to be like, well, we can't find a, a good player to play in the top six when somebody got injured. Now it's you know it's kind of reversed. Now you're trying to find the, the bottom six and when where a guy fits in. So it's probably a better problem to have for the Jets than they used to have. Um, but it seems like, yeah, like you kind of said and alluded to, there's a lot of competition on this team now. Um, and, and, and Rick Bonus does a really good job of kind of keeping that going during the season as we're, as we're seeing now, uh, you know, almost 15 games into the schedule. Uh, D pairings today, Morrissey Pionk, Dylan Schmidt, Sandberg, yeah. and DeMello. Capobianco was the seventh defenseman. And no Logan Stanley as well. And I know, yeah. I believe he was in a walking boot. I think I, someone told me they bumped into him or saw him on the weekend or, 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 or earlier on and he was out of it. But still not at practice right now. Uh, yeah. Any update on Stan? Yeah, nothing other than, you know, I think they're now pushing it to late November. Although I don't think, I don't think Bonus has said that. We haven't really asked on on Stanley lately. So it's something that we should probably actually, actually do. But um, I think he was pegged early on it as, as kind of like mid November uh, possible return, but you know, having not skated now for, for quite a while and still haven't really seen him. I don't even, I don't believe he was even on the road trip, although he really wouldn't have been because none of those guys would have skated anyways, um, just with the back to back. But uh, yeah, no, no real update on Logan Stanley, probably get one tomorrow. 
You know, it's interesting. This uh, this upcoming homestand, Scotty, is in a lot of ways sort of similar to the last three gamer in that yep. you kind of are moving up a weight class each game. Um, you know, they'll start off with the Anaheim Ducks. They didn't get the Pittsburgh Penguins in on Saturday night. And then the Carolina Hurricanes, who I still think of the way the Carolina Hurricanes um manhandled the Jets last year in that yeah. game. That was at the point where I realized, oh man, this team has a ton of work to yeah. do. And if I recall correctly, that was right near the end of uh, Paul Maurice's time here in Winnipeg. Uh, and of course, tomorrow's game, big opportunity to get another two points and stay at the top of the division, as well as a great opportunity for Winnipeg, Manitoba, and this hockey community to celebrate two incredible Finnish players in Tamo Solani and Tepo Newman, and that'll be going up into the Jets Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, tomorrow night's going to be a bit of, a, I guess, a spectacle um, of sorts. And you obviously have, you know, the two teams that that that, that Solani really kind of, you know, oh, he obviously made his, you know, uh, his career, uh, started his career and his beginnings and his rookie record, scoring record and all that in Winnipeg and became, you know, probably the, you know, maybe the city's second most beloved player, arguably the first, you know, with up there with Dale Howardchuck. Um, you know, it just depends, I guess, on what area you kind of grew up in watching. <laughs> first, watching if Jets, you weren't right? around paying attention to the Jets during the Howard Chuck year. Sure, of course, yeah. Time. But I mean, it just, yeah, it just depends. I mean, for me growing up, it would have been Solani watching Solani. I didn't, you know, I wasn't old enough to watch Dale Howard Chuck, uh, you know, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it, it, it's interesting with that, um, you know, that coming tomorrow. I think that's one of those things. They've had these nights in the past and, they, you know, the, the, you know, the, the fans are, it's a good atmosphere, right? I mean, I, and tomorrow it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be one of the best atmospheres probably since the the Howard Chuck one uh, when his number was retired um, uh, or honored and put into the Hall of Fame back uh, those several years ago now. Um, but yeah, like that that those are the those are the nights. Uh, you know, I think I I think if you watch the Borea Salming stuff over the weekend in Toronto. You know, Blake Wheeler was kind of asked about it today, and you know, I never got to ask Blake the question. But you know, you see how some of these players are kind of revered years later, right? I mean, we're talking thirty years now for for Newman and and and, and Solani, obviously, um, and and just how kind of revered they are still to this day. Um, you know, nobody forgets about them. And I, I was I remember watching on Saturday there uh, just before the Calgary game because the you know the Jets was the the second game on Hockey Night in Canada and so you're watching I was just watching the hotel room the the Borea Salming stuff and you know that's that's 50 it's been 50 years for 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 that and you know 45 50 years whatever it's been since Salming kind of had played last in 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 Toronto and and just kind of how beloved those guys are. And I think, you know, a lot of been talked about how it, it kind of weighed, not weighed on, but, you know, it was kind of a bit of an eye-opener maybe for Austin Matthews. I think, you know, it's an eye-opener for a lot of players in, in Canadian cities because, you know, you, you can see where, where, you know, what kind of, I guess, um, you know, kind of what pedestal you can kind of end your career on if you if you play in a town that long. You know I mean, in Salming, they never, they never won a Stanley Cup. Um, obviously, because the Leafs haven't won one since '67, but um, you know he was just you know he was a, 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 a yeah just a revered player, and and so those are the nights I think where you know guys like you think about now. I mean, where will Blake Wheeler be talked about in 20 years from now, or Josh Morrissey's or the Kyle Connors, right? Like interesting 
to think about that. And then, yeah, but you still got to play a hockey game tomorrow night. But I think, you know, all that stuff before the game, you know, the, the Jets are going to be a little bit jacked. I think the whole crowd, everybody like that, it's going to be jacked. And you're also playing a team that you just got to beat. I mean, that's the one thing, right? Like, this is the thing with the Jets is here, is they're beating the teams that they should beat for the most part. Um, and in previous years, we all know that, you know, they <clears throat> they used to play down. I mean, when they, they lost to the Sabres last year, that was the that was the the final nail for 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 Paul Maurice. Obviously, um, the Jets aren't doing that this year. But as you said, I mean, this is a, a another road trip or a, sorry, a homestand where yeah, it, it, you know, you go from the Docks to the the Pittsburgh Penguins who've been struggling lately, and then yeah, you obviously have Carolina coming in here before you go on the road um, and, and into the Central Division in you know kind of another win uh, win now kind of atmosphere and you're going to have a, next week another game against the Dallas Stars um where you know it could be for first place who knows again um just the way that that's going um but yeah you know it, it, it this is a stretch now and I, I know Kelly Moore was talking about today he's always much better with the math than I am I think it's like 38 games and and 75 nights or something like that you might know the math better than I do but it, it's a big stretch starting tomorrow night for the Jets and it's not lost on them that they're playing every second night from basically here till way after Christmas now. Um, but yeah, it should be a, a good night tomorrow in terms of just for fans. Um, and then it'll be an interesting night just to see how can the Jets respond uh, coming on to obviously the, just a break that they've had and kind of going into a, a, a season now uh, where they're going to be playing yeah every second night. It's a lot of hockey from, from here for the next few months and uh, the Jets are going to have to win a lot of those games if they want to keep you know uh, where they are in the standings. Yeah, they're going to need and they're going to need to be ready for the Ducks. The Ducks will come up and be hungry. Yeah. I mean, I'm the sure the desperate be... team again, right? Like just well, like Calgary was. So Yeah, and and, yeah. and let's not forget that I mean the Jets had all that practice time going to the Calgary game. That was the one game in the last 3 weeks that they've actually lost in regulation. Yeah. And uh you know, you do, uh, and you want to get these points because you know you're moving up a few weight classes. I mean, Pittsburgh does only have what two wins in their last ten games. Yeah, I believe. something like that. Yeah. Carolina is always going to be a handful, so we'll see what can happen tomorrow night. Hey, uh, before we go, I've got to ask you about the Bombers. Yeah. Repeat mission: occupy Regina for Bomber fans <laughs> over this next little bit. How are you feeling about the Blue and Gold and their chances to uh, get the job done on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, how do you not have them as just massive favorites, right? You know, I get it. I mean, there's going to be a lot. There's already been a lot of talk about Andrew Harris. I mean, I even I think some of his comments already today about, well, you know, I can beat them because he they beat them in what was it 2011. Uh, so he's beaten them. This would be the second time I think he would beat them, uh, the Bombers in the Grey Cup, yeah. if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so there's all that talk. But, you know, I mean, here's the thing. You know, the Bombers have all the best players in the league. <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, they have basically two MOP candidates, and uh, in, in obviously Kalaros, who's going to win it, and Dalton Schoen, who might have won it if it wasn't for Kalaros. So, um, and then they, you know, they have Brady Oliveira, who's you know going to come in as well. Here was the protege, and now he's the guy. Um, you know, it, it's it's there's a lot of good storylines, but I think the biggest one that most people need to remember is the Bombers are just the superior team. I mean, if you look at the East Division this year, it wasn't great. I mean, you know, there was teams that. The, you know, with you know a few weeks less, that had three wins that still had a chance to make the playoffs. That's ridiculous. I mean, you know, it, you know the the Bombers are um, a very good team that's been here before. Um, they are battle hardened when it comes to the Grey Cup now, and they're going against a guy, McLeod Bethel Thompson, who, I mean, let's you know, let's face it. I mean, this guy is going to be a little bit starstruck in this game. 
Um, and, and he's going to have to battle more than just, you know, kind of being on the biggest stage in the CFL and in his, you know, in his professional career. Um, and, and the Bombers are just, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, uh, you know, it's just another game. And, and I know that's not really what it is. Obviously, it's the Grey Cup, but the Bombers are going to treat this, you know, uh, just any other game. And yeah, Toronto almost beat them in the regular season, but again, almost isn't good enough. And 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 the Bombers were in a mid stretch uh, there where they were just playing and playing and playing. So, I, I think uh, I think this is an easy win for the, the Bombers. Um, but uh, and, and and I think they make you know some history here and and start you know now you start you hit you hit three and you're a dynasty right three straight in this you know day and age in the CFL. I mean, I think the last team to do it was what it was the Edmonton was that did five straight in the late seventies, early eighties, something like that. And it's twenty twenty two now. It's been fifty years, forty five years, whatever it's been since that happened. I mean, you're talking about you know one of the greatest teams in CFL history if they win three. Um, you know, you're probably starting to talk about you know one day you're going to have a Mike Rose statue out of outside of IGF. I mean, there's a lot of things on the line. They could start that thing on that Monday stuff. if they win the game, to be perfectly I honest, so. Scott. I, honestly, <laughs> I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, this is the thing. Like, this Bomber team is just so good. Like, having been around it uh, uh, enough this year that I was in the last couple of years, you know, I, 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 I'm just, and I've said this on your show before, I'm so in, uh, just fascinated, I guess, by how well-built, how well-oiled, how well-run this team is. And it's from the you know the 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 backup place you know the the backup snap long snapper to like you know Zach Kolaros everybody on that team is they pull in the same direction they say the exact same thing it's almost boring at times to to kind of listen to them but it's all it's so fascinating to watch a team so kind of in sync with each other um, going into this great cup again. And what they've been able to do over the last, well, you know, I guess it's three years with the, the COVID break. But, yeah, it, it's just, uh, it, it's so, it, it's fun to watch. And for fans and, you know, even for guys like us who re- kind of report on it or whatever, it's fun to report on. Because, I mean, this is, you're in the midst of history right now. And, and that's always fun to either t- be a part of as a fan or get to write about or just get to watch. I mean, even for the neutrals that will be watching this game. I mean, some people want the Bombers to lose for attempts because, you know, you hate seeing the, you know, I, I knew this as growing up as a New England fan, you know, you, everybody wants the Pats to lose and lose and lose. Um, but, you know, it, it's also kind of, it's fun just as a, as, as a person who watches sports to see a team kind of do what the Bombers are doing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think they have a great <laughs> chance to win three in a row. You know, uh, the thing is, the Bombers are such a, I mean, they would love the comparison to um, the the New England Patriots, for (laughs) sure. The difference is the Bombers are such a likable team. And, of course, New England was full of absolute (laughs) scoundrels and uh, more. Um, In all all honesty, though, you're exactly right. I mean, this is... um, these are incredible um, times, and I, I laugh, you know, with some of the younger people that are in the chat that are just used to the Bombers being great and winning yeah, every yeah, time they go out years. there. And Listen, <laughs> it took a long time to get here, and that's why um, I think Bomber fans of a certain vintage are just savoring every second of it, and certainly everyone that's heading out to Regina for the weekend will um, take in what the Grey Cup is all about. I'm sure it will be a phenomenal party, as the Grey Cup always is, and then... Uh, We'll see whether they can uh, finish the job. Hey, before we go, and this is more for the YouTubers, 
Lots of talk about the boxes in behind you right now. Uh, are those hockey cards? <laughs> no. Are those um, Magic some Gathering. sort of collectibles? I'm yeah, I'm a Magic the Gathering nerd. I play, uh, I have for a long time. So, yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot here. I can kind of, there's a lot there. My office is an absolute, like, disaster right now. But, like, I got a bunch here. And there's a bunch on this futon that I'm supposed to actually clean one of these days. But, yeah, I have a lot of. I play a lot of Magic the Gathering, so um, I have a lot of cards, and uh, they're in. Uh, now is this? Are you a that. Pokemon guy too? No, I'm not. No, I, I mean I played the games when I was a kid or whatever, but the the game was a little too. Uh, the card game was just a little too. Eh, it was too much for me. I like Magic. It's uh, you know, if if you haven't played it before, it's hard to kind of explain. I've had yeah, to teach I have no idea. people. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, it's like hockey in terms like there are cards that are worth you know hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Just look up the price of a, a card called Black Lotus, um, and you know, if you find a real one and then in a good, you know, graded condition, uh, you, yeah, they'll go for upwards of uh, more than a hundred thousand dollars for sure. So, um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but you know, I, I don't have one of those, obviously. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this job. I'd just be. You learn something new sale. every day on WST, yeah. folks. There you <laughs> I'm go. A nerd, well, yeah. If we if we ever need to, oh, we knew that. We were just yeah. talking about the Magic Gathering. I'm just kidding, yeah. Scotty. Um, well, if we ever need to do a segment on collectibles in a slower time in the summer, sure. you can come in and give us a we'll do, give us a little yeah. bit of a, a a run through on all of that, Billick. Enjoy uh, what should be a real fun night tomorrow at the arena, both with the presentation, the Hall of Fame ceremonies, and the Jets getting back at it to begin the homestand against the Anaheim Ducks. I know you will be all over the Jets, yep. Ted and the gang all over the Bombers and the Winnipeg Sun. It's a good time to be reading the sports section these days here in Winnipeg. Thanks yep. so much. Have a great one, and uh, enjoy the Grey Cup as well. Yeah, I appreciate it, Hassan. Have a good time in Qatar. You got it. There's Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun with us. Of course, our Bomber reports all season long brought to you by Princess Auto. Proud sponsors of the Bombers and the folks that brought you the best pregame atmosphere in the Canadian Football League all year long at the Princess Auto tailgate zone. Already excited to get back there next year. And fingers crossed that first game will be once again changing the banner. When it comes to another Grey Cup championship, we'll find out on Sunday. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of WST as well. And the place where you'll find the best assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Check them out. One of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. Or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Hydration is important. Just ask Ken Weeb. Ken will join us later on this week as well. And, of course, Culligan Water, when we're talking hydration and water product services, have been the experts in Manitoba. Family-owned and doing it for 65 years. They've got everything you need at Culligan. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. The Culligan man can come to you as well. Of course, they deliver citywide. Find out more by giving them a call at 204-694-5180. You can visit them in person at Culligan at 1200 Sargent Avenue or find out everything Culligan can do for you, your family, or your business online at drinkculligan.com. Well, hey, it's Grey Cup weekend, gang, and I don't need to tell you, you better stock up on all the good stuff for your 
Grey Cup party if you uh, aren't heading out to Regina. And one of those things you need both for Grey Cup weekend and for the holidays is Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club, the official spirit and whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You can grab that at the your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And of course, don't forget the CC and Ginger ready to drink in cans available at MLCC as well as your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And one more day until tomorrow's going to be a great day. If you're not going to the game, head on down to Boston Pizza. Great jet specials and uh, pick a player games at most Boston pizzas. And of course, it's NFL Thursday night, Packers and Titans. And that means your next chance to win the final grand prize of the season, a trip for two New Year's Eve weekend out to Vegas to see the Raiders and the Niners, as well as a bonus NHL game with the Vegas Golden Knights and Blues on New Year's Eve. Airfare, hotel, all included. All you have to do is pop by Boston Pizza and enter a ballot at during any NFL game. And don't forget, chat on pizza flights, ice cold bud for five bucks, as well as the new faves off the BP fall menu, the craveable jalapeno popper dip, the spicy buffalo mac and cheese, and the creepy carbonara pizza. All right. Really looking forward to this next conversation, folks. Um, you know, we are very excited about everything going on around the game tomorrow. And that, of course, is Timu Solani and Teppo Newmanen going in to the Winnipeg Jets Hall of Fame. And absolute pleasure to welcome in from the National Hockey League, former Winnipeg Jet, Chris King, to talk about his former teammates going into the Jets Hall. Kinger, thanks so much for doing this. It's great to see and talk to you again. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. Thank you very much for uh, including me. Uh, unfortunately, we big night for Timo and Teppo on the same day we had a GM's meeting. So Chevy and I were kind of talking yesterday pre-meeting who was in charge out there and who would not check the calendar because we both wanted to be there, obviously. So uh, I heard it was a good well. It, what they have planned for the few days is, is amazing, but I, I think the gala was last night, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, exactly. The gala was last night. And the big night to uh, see the numbers go up into the rafters along with other Jets legends is tomorrow. You know, um, right. just mentioning about coming out, because, I mean, we're going to focus in on Timu and, and Teppo, but you, of course, were here, uh, what, a month ago or so, a little bit more than that for the Dale Howard Chuck statue unveiling, which, I mean, was such a great event. The statue itself is now, um, you know, an incredible part of our downtown and the hockey history. I just quickly wanted to ask you about, um, you know, coming in here, representing the league. And uh, I mean, you said it there at the uh, at the event, but um, the honor of being a part of that, and your memories of a Dale Howard Chuck and the imprint he left on this franchise and this city and, and community. Well, having the ability to, to come to Winnipeg, of course, which you don't have to twist my arm to come to come back home uh, for anything. And, uh, uh, but when Gary Bettman called me and asked me to represent the, the NHL uh, that evening uh, to speak about Dale and, and, and what he meant to the league and what he meant to uh, hockey fans out there, especially those in Winnipeg, was certainly an honor, uh, something that uh, I was really, really excited to do. And when they unveiled that statue and, and we saw what, uh, what was created to honor our, our dear friend, it was an amazing, amazing night. Uh, for the family, I think something that was very important to them, and obviously to all his friends and teammates that were there, it was a very, very special, special night for all of us. And 
something I'll always remember. Well, Chris, I mean, from one special night to another, uh, Thursday night, it is the Jets Hall of Fame induction. Tamu Solani and Teppo Newman, and two of the great Finns in NHL history and two of the great Winnipeg Jets of all time going on. I want to go back to your trade to the Winnipeg Jets, or actually maybe a little bit before that, because, of course, that was Tamu right. Solani's rookie season. You were playing over on the other side of the league, the other conference. Right. What do you remember before you became a Jet about the buzz that Solani was creating around the league with that record-setting goal-scoring season as a rookie before you were traded to Winnipeg? Well, you're right. We didn't know a lot about it. I, I'd have to go back and look, and I probably should have done this a long time ago, whether we had played them or not before the trade. We had traded just after Christmas, Ty and I. And, uh, but everybody knew what not just Timo was doing, but the rookie line of, of Keith and, and Alex Zamnoff and Timo. And then you see the numbers almost every night. Uh, this guy wasn't just scoring every night. He was scoring multiple goals every night. And uh, you know, then we found out that we were traded, uh, Ty and I. Uh, we got to get into the room and see these, these guys. And uh, I remember my, my first meeting with Timo, smiling, coming in late, of course, uh, for practice. And uh, trying to, you know, when you get traded, you're always trying to make yourself comfortable or feel like you're welcome in a room. And it takes a little bit of time and uh, talking to guys and just kind of looking around and, and seeing what was going on. And we were all getting ready for practice and, and Timo was in his street clothes still as guys were leaving to go up the ice down the tunnel. And, I, you know, I think I had asked Dean Kennedy, is, is he hurt? Is he not practicing? He goes, oh, no. He can dress in two minutes and he'll be out there before uh, John blows his whistle. So he was always late. I know it bugs some of the veteran guys, but uh, he was a, he was an interesting cat. But then when you got to see him on the ice and how fast he skated and how well he, he played and how well he read the game and then that shot off, off stride, uh, it was, it was really truly uh, something to be part of. And just to see him, to see him, you know, I think we had two or three games at home. And, you know, he was seven goals away from, from the record. And there's no way he was going to get seven in two games. And he ended up doing it. And it was just unreal. Like, anytime we thought he couldn't do it, he just did it. And it was really neat to be part of. You know, it, it would have been a really interesting dynamic for a player that, you know, had played, you know, for this was your third team at that time and ended up going elsewhere in the later on in your career. But you were coming in, you know, adding some toughness, but also some veteran presence to a team that was really being led by a number of guys that were just getting their feet wet in the national hockey league right. and yet playing like veterans and scoring like stars. Well, it's true. And I think when, you know, when we got comfortable there and uh, they had some good, they had some good veteran guys there. You know, Mike Eagles was a, was an honest, hardworking guy and Dean Kenny, as I said, and Dave Manson came over and uh, we knew that the success of that team was going to be, the, the development of the, the young guys. And, and uh, uh, we could try to teach them the best we could of what we knew, and, and uh, they did that. And, you know, Keith became the leader that he was, and Timo became the comfortable player he was, and Alex was just so skilled. But it was, uh, was really, really neat. You know, Chris, uh, you mentioned that week <laughs> where Solani was chasing Bossy's record, and uh, there were two games at home. I was up in my spot up at the top of the south end and the gods uh, watching the games. And I still remember those games maybe as much as any. I mean, right up there with Dave Ellett's overtime goal and some of the highlights we've had since the team came back. Uh, what do you remember about being on that team and just watching um, 
a, a player do things that we've never seen before. And I'm not sure there's ever been a guy get hotter than Solani was at that point. And it just seemed like anything, anytime the puck was around him, it was going in. And uh, next thing you know, he's throwing the glove up and shooting it down with his stick. Well, I think, I think the city just kind of got caught up in it all. And, uh, uh, you know, I think, the media, the fans, and even our teammates made more about it than Timo did. And I think that's just his the kind of person that he was. He just he just came to the rink and wanted to play. And uh, I don't think he thought too much about it. And uh, <laughs> when he needed to score, he did. It, it was absolutely incredible. And, and I don't know if we'll ever see somebody do that again, uh, the way he did. And, and again, I, I don't remember, remember just getting a goal. It was always two, sometimes three. It never surprised us. It was unreal. Well, um, you know, it's easy to talk about all the goals that Tamo Solani scored and part of the reason why he was such a popular player, obviously his personality and off ice. Teppo Newman, though, was the quiet leader and, you know, in a lot of ways, the foundation of that Winnipeg Jet blue line for a long time. Um, what do you remember about coming here first, meeting Teppo, and how important he was to any success the Winnipeg Jets had, even if he didn't quite get the headlines of his fellow Finn? Well, I had obviously played against Teppo uh, more than Timo. And, and I remember coming uh, the day we got traded, kind of reviewing the roster and who was on the team and, and did I know anybody. You always walk into a room and play with somebody. This was a team I hadn't really known too many of these guys. I remember Teppo being a really solid defenseman, but I didn't realize how good this guy was until you actually got on the ice with him and watched what he did every day, his work ethic and practice. I mean, he, he never got the credit for being the skilled and offensive and smart puck-moving defenseman that, that he was. Uh, I can arguably say, and I played with Brian Leach uh, in New York, uh, who was truly one of the greatest defensemen, but Teppo wasn't far behind him, if not equally. Some of the stuff that he did was... Uh, it was so unappreciated until you were actually sharing the ice with him. So he uh, he was he was a thrill to play with, a, a fun guy to be around, a very quiet guy, as I think you had mentioned. But uh, he's one of my favorite people in the game, and uh, I was lucky enough to see him a couple of weeks ago in Tampa when we were there with the Avalanche and the, and the Blue Jackets. And uh, the only reason he came to the game that cheap guy is I got him four free tickets. So. <laughs> You know what? A lot of Winnipeg fans, if I mean, listen, when the team left, there was a lot of people that got a little detached from the National Hockey League for a little while, particularly the Coyotes. I don't think there was a big Buffalo Sabres contingent here. Um, but I mean, after this, Tempo Newman had one of the great careers um, in recent NHL history for defensemen, a full 20 years in the league, almost 1,400 regular season games and over 1,400 when you include the playoffs. Um, I'd have to suggest that over the last 50 years, he'd be one of the most underrated players amongst average hockey fans in the world. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. Uh, just the longevity of his career and what he did. He never took a night off. He was, he was Teppo, the Teppo we needed and the Teppo that he expected every night. I don't recall this guy ever having a bad game. And, uh, you know, he played a lot of minutes every night. And I think if you go back and, and look at it, uh, and the teams that were successful that uh, he played on, he was a big part of it. And uh, you're absolutely right. He didn't get the respect he deserved, but boy, oh boy, the guys that play with him certainly realized how important he was. What was he like off the ice and as a teammate? Um, because honestly, I mean, he was quite quiet. I mean, you know, there was a few interviews, but he was 
obviously a Finn, probably learned English later on. It probably got quite a bit better as he went through, but he was right. uh, he was a very popular player. But um, what would fans not know about Teppo Newman and that uh, you learned during uh, your time as a teammate of his? No, oh, he's a very kind player uh, and and a very smart and witty guy that uh, is truly, truly loved by his teammates because he was a real, the real deal. And uh, him and Amrit, his, his wife, uh, were, were wonderful parts of our team. Uh, but Teppo, you know, he was quiet at the rank, he just went about his business, but he was certainly uh, one of the guys when it came to doing things together. And, and uh, uh, he just really liked to be around the team and be around the room. And uh, like I said, you, I played with lots of guys when you play on six teams, and he's probably right up there and one, two of my favorite guys I ever played with. You know, and when talking about Solani, I mean, he, of course, is certainly now a far more gregarious personality. I mean, far more out there. I mean, incredibly popular for all those reasons. Was he like that? I heard he did. He... His, I, heard, <laughs> I heard he did the, uh, the presser for the event from his car. Is that right? <laughs> He, he's been known to do that a few times. I do believe he did pop in. We always seem to be driving. He's always seemed yeah, to be driving drive. something. I think that probably drove he management. Likes to drive fast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Making them quite nervous in the summer. But um, was he like that as a rookie? Um, how did maybe he grow during your time as a teammate? Um, you know, as a uh, as a person off the ice into the guy that he is today. Timo, Timo got it. I hate saying that because it sounds simple, but he did get it. He knew that he was important to the city at the right time. Fans were able to be proud of, of the team and proud of a player they really enjoyed. And he liked it there and he liked his fans and he spent lots of time with his fans doing the right thing. There was just meeting, greeting, uh, signing autographs. I'll tell you a quick Timo story. Uh, during the outdoor game in Winnipeg, uh, the young girl from our New York office, events office, had lived, grown up in Anaheim. Her mom and her were seeing ticket holders. She had told uh, told me that her mom was battling cancer and that, uh, you know, when Timo signed something for her mom, it'd mean a lot to her. So I pulled Timo aside and I told him the story. He says, well, go get Samantha. Let's talk to her. And uh, he said, I'm sorry to hear that. Do you have your phone? She said, yeah. He said, well, phone your mom. And then he said hello to the mom, took the phone, talked to her for 20 minutes and came back, hung up, and he said, I think she'll be okay. So he just, you know, he, he got it. He was good. He, he cared about the fans, did the right things. Uh, he drove some of his teammates crazy with his his uh, hatred of practice and being at the rink. But when he got on the ice, he was all business. And, uh, I mean, you can never you – can, you can overlook certain little things when you, uh, when you kind of deliver what he delivered on a nightly basis. He uh, – even though he wasn't there long and I didn't play with him long – I realized I had a chance to play with a, a real special player. Chris King is with us, the senior VP of hockey operations for the National Hockey League. I've got to ask you a question more from a, your NHL role for a second, Chris. We've seen, um, you know, the NHL go back to Finland recently. Well, they went back a few years ago with the Winnipeg Jets. Patrick Line, Barkov, I mean, there's all these Finnish stars. Um how would you be able to quantify the, I mean, because we're talking about the effect that these two guys have had here in Winnipeg on this team, this franchise and everything they did while here. Um, how impactful have they been to the growth of the national hockey league in Finland and in Europe? Well, I mean, you just, for example, being in Tampa uh, a couple weeks ago, obviously 
Keppel got a standing ovation and, and quite a loud one uh, when he dropped the puck on the Saturday night game because he's from there and he was so involved in the community. Uh, he lives there now. Uh, there was a lot of other stars that were there, Esatique, and then uh, different members. Uh, I think Forsberg was there Friday night. And, you know, when you look at the guys that I played against and they're playing now, uh, Finland's produced some great players. And you said one Barkov, Lonnie, of course, they're all from that little town. But, you know, we look back now selfishly of how good our goaltending uh, player, uh, you know, position of guys that were uh, grew up and trained in Finland over the last few years has been incredible. So, you know, Finland's obviously done well in, in the juniors the last little bit. They've done well in the world tournaments that they've been in. Uh, they have a very strong, powerful hockey uh, country. And we, we forget sometimes how small it is and population wise, they've done really well. And they, they, they definitely produce good people. Uh, they're hardworking people, and it shows when you look at Timo and Teppo, for example, and get to know them. They were they were raised the right way. Well, they'll be uh, remembered as incredible players for the Winnipeg Jets and uh, even better people here in this community, and that's why they're going to the Winnipeg Jets Hall of Fame tomorrow. Chris King is with us. Hey, Kinger, before we go, I've got to ask you, is your fishing season over yet? And uh, did you get up to see Pitt and the Turen gang out at Aikens Lake this summer? No, to this year was my off year. So, uh I did. Where's my camera? Show you something. I don't know if this is going to work, but oh, there you go. Oh, we can so, see it. <laughs> yeah. So I got that Friday. Okay? Come on. So Pitt's, oh yeah, Pitt's, Pitt was busting my balls there about a week ago when he, he always bothered me after the camp closed it there on the moose hunt and I was working and I could never be part of it. And then he says he takes this trip with all his buddies and some of the old guys that I, guides that I know from, from Aikens over the Lake of the Woods to chase these big muskies. And he sent me a picture. Oh, look at my 42 incher. So I showed him this 50 incher I caught on Friday up here in Ontario. And then hang on to see, uh, I can find this one too. So I, this is a bit of a brag session for me and I apologize. I'm a bit of an idiot, but, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> what it's all it about. hang on. Yeah. So you might be able to see the heart on this, but this was last, uh, this is COVID. So, Good that was, Lord. <laughs> that was 52 inches. In a, so it's got nothing on me, brother. So, <laughs> I am an official, unofficial guide at Aikens Lake, but I am taking my wife and my brother and his fiance back there this summer. It's my turn. So. Well, we'll get out there as well. Maybe if we're lucky, our, our pass will cross out there. That how would be great, did, bud. How long did it take to pull in that monster? 52 inches. I can't even wrap my head around that. Yeah, that, the, the one a couple of years ago, and that might have been the only good thing that came out of COVID. I was able to go fishing and chase them for a week. But uh, uh, that one was a little bit longer, but we're fishing with steel line and dragging big uh, big lures. So as you well know, for being a fisherman, when you get something that big, you don't want to fight them too long because they're smart. They don't get that big because they're stupid. Uh, so that one was probably a minute and a half. The one I got the other, the other day actually came in with like 30 seconds. But we wow. saw it on our... We saw it on our uh, electronics chasing bait fish, and uh, 10 seconds after, my buddy pointed out to me that she hit, and uh, I had her in about 30 seconds. So, uh, you know, the little skills you learn at Aikens Lake, right? Work fast, no doubt about it. Well, Chris, uh, listen, thanks so much for doing this. I do hope we cross paths next summer, but in the meantime, yeah. uh, all the best to you and uh, everything going on with your work with the National Hockey League. Thanks so much for talking about the two newest inductees of the Jets Hall of Fame as of Thursday night in Tamu Solani and Teppo Newman. And uh, obviously it was great to see you back here when uh, we honored Dale Howard Chuck a couple months ago.
Hey, let me ask you, how often is Lolly bugging you? Well, quite often. In fact, I got a late night call from him last night. Usually he doesn't call me after the nights lose, by the way. This is very I know rare, I was but... gonna say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You um, probably needed to you probably needed somebody to cry on their verbal shoulder. You know what? So. He didn't even want to talk about the game, but he yeah. uh I'll tell you what, he is a legit bomber fan. And now that he's working for a team and not in the media, he's all in on the bombers. So he was telling me about the great cup plans. Like he's going to bring a bunch of the Canadian guys on the nights out downtown in Vancouver. And they've got a little spot for it. So getting ready for the game, but, uh, They've had a uh, they've had a great start to the season. It actually yeah, is just sure on have. the way out. Knights, I mean, what a great turnaround that they've had with their new head coach. And uh, I got to tell you, it's pretty fun looking at the Winnipeg Jets near the top or at the top of the Central Division right now after a disappointing season. It's uh, it's nice to see some of the teams um, that had disappointing years turn around, especially the people watching Winnipeg Sports Talk right now um, compared to what last season was like. Well, I'll take, I'll put my NHL hat on and say this the right way. Selfishly, we like when the Jets are playing well and, uh, and, and our Canadian teams are, are, are doing well. I'll take my NHL hat on and put my Jets toque on. I love to see them win it because they deserve it. The, the city deserves it. And uh, I'm a big fan of Bones and uh, he's doing a pretty good job. And I'm glad he's back behind the bench where he belongs. And I know Scotty did a hell of a job when he wasn't, when he wasn't there, so. It's a, it's a great vibe around this team right now. We're really looking forward to this game against the Ducks and a little Saturday night game with Sidney Crosby and the Penguins and uh, the Hurricanes, and uh, we'll see if they can keep it going. It's been a great start to the season. I think something that uh, the team and the fan base really needed, and uh, we'll see what happens this weekend. But first things first, we honor Tay Mussolini and Tepanoon and two Jets greats tomorrow into the Jets Hall of Fame. Chris, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Be well, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure. You got my number. All right, man, that was a great chat with Chris King. And <laughs> about those fish? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Kinger is a legend out at Aikens Lake, I can tell you that. And he's not even far off saying he's an honorary guide for Pitt and the gang up at Aikens. Uh, well, we'll cross our fingers. Maybe we will cross paths up there next year. Great folks out there. And check out AikensLake.com if you want to find out more about one of our great partners on the program and what they've got going on heading into next year. Uh Speaking of great partners of ours, big thanks to the Nick and Nikki DQ group for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Got to give Nick a shout out. He's going to be there with the rest of the Bomber crew repping the blue and gold at the game on Sunday. Uh, but don't worry, the Nick and Nikki DQs will still be there for you. Maybe a Grey Cup ice cream cake for your party would be a good idea. Give them a call or hit up DQ Manitoba on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Let him know what you want, and uh, he can get something done up just in time for a big party on Sunday. Nothing makes that gathering better than a DQ ice cream cake. In the meantime, pop by any of the four locations, grab what they have there, the already ready-made ice cream cakes, and also blizzards, stack burgers, putty barbecue, chicken fingers, my personal favorite, and all the other great ice cream treats. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And I guess with it being Wednesday, folks, it's last call for the Little Brown Jug Grey Cup Party Package. All you need to do is go, if you're with us in the chat, I'll throw the link in one more time right there. Click on that. Take you probably 20, 30 seconds to fill out. Let them know how much you love 1919 and you heard it on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And tomorrow we'll find out the winner for $125 in Little Brown Jug beer for the game on Sunday, as well as a $100 Smitty's gift card. 
and they're going to pick the winner tomorrow, and they'll deliver it anywhere in Manitoba. Well, obviously, there might be a couple places it might be tough to get a delivery to, but uh, bottom line is getting ready for Sunday. And, hey, if you're going to the game, you can use it when you get back. It certainly isn't going to go bad. Why? Because it's the best. Our favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug. And, hey, just getting ready for a great cup. Pop by Little Brown Jug on William Avenue or your local beer store and get stocked up. Good Times Variety Pack with some new flavors in there. And, of course, the iconic 1919, the official beer of Winnipeg Sports Talk as the Bombers go for a 3 P. All right, well, this has been a wild show. Um, tomorrow, of course, is the Hall of Fame game. So we'll be uh, talking a little bit more about that tomorrow and continued focus on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Let's get Remo back in here, though. And uh, Remo, have you ever seen a fish that big that Chris King just flashed on the screen? Oh, my God. No, and yeah, if you're listening to the podcast, you got to come to our YouTube channel and just go to the end of the interview where he showed off his phone. That thing was enormous. I don't know how you would reel something like that in. Uh, pretty impressive, that uh, that feat there. And, and it's funny, he gave me far more credit than I deserve because my fishing basically, uh, fi- most of my fishing glory has happened at Aikens Lake with the best in the business guiding us and helping rank amateurs like myself catch big ones. But the thought of catching a 50-inch muskie and getting it into the boat in 90 seconds or so, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. But um, anyways, Kinger, one of the all-time beauties, very popular former Jets captain. And uh, great conversation about the two fins that will be going into the Jets Hall of Fame tomorrow. Uh, let's get to the cool bet lines. By the way, the Lock Shop is up. We uh, The Lock Shop YouTube channel is up. Uh, earlier today, Dusty and I, we did figure out, we were having a tough time getting the notifications turned on. If you're already a Lock Shop subscriber but weren't able to turn the notifications on, all you need to do is go in, unsubscribe and then resubscribe. Uh, but if you haven't already, let me uh, let me throw a link in for you, for those of you on YouTube. Click on this, get on over, and um, just simply subscribe to the channel. And if you go to Lock Shop Bets and retweet our pinned tweet that has the link for the YouTube channel is, there it is, folks, right there. Give us a sub if you wouldn't mind. When we get to 1,000 subscribers, we're giving away $1,000 to one of the first 1,000 subscribers that's retweeted that pinned tweet at LockShopBets. So uh, follow the Twitter feed. Give us a sub on YouTube. And uh, we did today the first ever LockShop without an actual pick. Um, we had some great cup discussion for about the first 10 minutes talking about the things that we're looking for going into our pick for the game as well as the line movement from 4.5 to 6 right now. And then we went into all of the World Cup betting options over at CoolBet. And listen, we could spend two hours talking about it right now. But if you do want to get in, or maybe you haven't played at CoolBet before, make sure you use the promo code WST on your first deposit. We'll double it up to $200. And there are literally thousands of options for the World Cup. There's Canada specials. There's Group F bets overall bets and every single game right now for the world cup beginning with Qatar and Ecuador on Sunday is listed and you can wager on those games as well. As far as tonight goes, there's only three games in the national hockey league. Buffalo killed me last night, losing at home to the Canucks. They're on the road back to back playing in Ottawa against the senators. The Sabres are plus plus one thirty two, sends minus minus one fifty seven. 
The Blues and Blackhawks go at it in a Central Division matchup. Blues minus 178, Chicago plus 150. And the Kings and Oilers in the late game. That's a 9 o'clock Winnipeg start. Kings plus 121 and the Oil minus 142. Remo, anything else you want to get to before the uh, before the end of the program we get these pods up? Uh, I don't know if I had too much on my list. Someone asked if we already talked about the uh, hey, Oscar Hernandez trade. Hey, Oscar, gone. A lot of Jays Mariners. fans choked. I think you got to wait and see what they're going to do, um, who they're going to get in the outfield, if they, like, who they get to replace him. They got some relief help, and hopefully for Jays fans, Eric Swanson can replicate what he did last season because he was a solid. Numbers are pretty solid there for Seattle. But, no, I'm looking forward to these games tonight, uh, Edmonton and and the Kings. You know, one thing we haven't really touched on this week was Hockey Hall of Fame inductions. But who's going to get in? Who cares about this year? This year already happened. But who's going to get in next year? We're already on to the next year Hall of Fame. And some of the first-time candidates, and eh, not exactly. They don't exactly move the needle, Huss. And you wonder if some of these longtime guys who've been waiting for a while, like Alex McGilney, Curtis Joseph, I'm trying to, I think those two seem to be, should be in. But we'll have to see what happens going forward. But uh, it was a nice week of, uh, weekend of the Hall of Fame stuff. We didn't touch too I much on it. I love this year's class. I love Same. this year's class. I mean, I'm an all time fan of the Sedins. Daniel Alfredson was, and, and you know, the fact that, you know, we got three Swedes in in one year after so few going in beforehand. Dave Poulin touched on that when we spoke with him, uh, I guess, on Tuesday, yesterday, mm-hmm. um, was a great point. And of course, Roberto Luongo, um, you know, truly one of the greats. And one of the cool things that came out of the Luongo thing, I actually meant to, meant to say this. I can't remember who he was being interviewed by. I think it was a TSN panel. And they asked him what goaltender present goaltender reminds him the most of himself. And he picked Connor Hellebuck that reminded him the most of himself. And I guess that's a, that's a pretty honorable, uh, uh, like nice honor for Helly to be compared to a guy that was at the top of his game for so long. And of course is now a member of the hockey hall of fame. Yeah. A lot of great memories of uh, the Sedins and Luongo with the 2011 Vancouver Canucks who fell just short in game seven of the Stanley Cup final. But, um, I've been enjoying seeing all the all the highlights and nothing you know makes you feel older has than the players you grew up watching uh, all getting into the Hockey Hall of Fame and all of their kids uh, being in in professional league so yeah exactly uh, now playing as well now now playing so it's in all sports us the NHL NBA NFL it's it's crazy so we didn't touch too much on that I figured I'd uh, I would touch that in but no I don't think I have anything else too uh tomorrow pressing here listen it's all about the bombers it's all about the jets right Mm now connor bedard coming in to take on the ice tomorrow night by the way congratulations to the winners again from yesterday's wheel might bang uh, another one out tomorrow for some tickets for the weekend keep uh just make sure you're tuned in live on the youtube channel um and again for those of you that were wondering about your uh, chance if you're listening on the podcast and haven't yet, go to our Instagram page at Sports Talk WPG for a link uh, for your last chance to enter for that Grey Cup prize party pack by filling out that very short 20-second survey from Little Brown Jug. It is greatly appreciated by myself and Michael Remus. Um, that is going to do it for us today, gang. Tomorrow on the show, uh, we'll have Brandon Rewicki jump on the program. We will certainly talk a little more Grey Cup 
and uh, have some guests to talk Bombers, Argos coming up for the game on Sunday. And, of course, much more on the Winnipeg Jets. We'll hear from Rick Bonus. get ready for tomorrow night's game, and a little bit more on the honorees going in to the Jets Hall of Fame in Tamu Solani and Teppo Newman. Thanks very much to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day and all of you for making us a part of your day. Have a great one tonight, and we'll see you tomorrow on Hall of Fame Game Day in Winnipeg and more on the Bombers as they get ready to go for the three-peat Sunday in Regina. This has been Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We'll catch you tomorrow, and thanks for being with us. Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 